0: LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss, and if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.
1: Talk Recorded live.
2: Uh, well, we got cut off there for a while, and um, we haven't been speaking for hours. That uh well actually uh they were a different version of events. Um Stefan actually arrived home and I thought there was some kind of disruption, but um there was a bit of disruption but that was because he arrived home. So um we were talking about um Bible prophecy, but we're talking about some interesting things here he's asking about the podcast and uh so we were talking about this collective electromagnetic field of humanity that the Illuminati could be tapping into and draining to some degree for some nefarious purpose, uh, either because they're stealing the energy or they just want to deplete our energy. But it's kind of interesting. um, You know, like I said, there's no way you can disprove they're not doing that. How do you, can you prove they're not doing that? So most Christians just kind of laugh and go, well, I'm not, we're too worried about that one there, Dave, you know. But, um, that's the kind of thing we talk about around here. So uh, anyway, go ahead.
3: Or sure. this made me consider um, so many negative things, negative energy uh, from emotions or from stress, uh, lack of sleep, uh, different things that would trigger within a, a single individual their electronic field to be weakened or damaged. Are sick, and when you've got a, a cumulative effect of, of, you know, thousands of people who are having these negative energy fields, uh, is it is it the is it somehow that the, you know, if it, like if a human is like you say, like a a transmitter of energy, a, an antenna of sorts, and a battery at the same time?
2: Well, an antenna is you know a you know, receiver.
3: Well, the battery is an
2: accumulator, but we're yeah. also guess what? I did. You didn't bring this up, but we're all. And I have not said this on the show. We're actually we're also a projector of energy. That's where
3: I'm going with this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are they are they putting uh, negative influences by the media or stress levels or whatever yeah. out there, and then we're transferring it into a negative energy field and, and transmitting it. As a negative energy field, you know, as all of humanity, and somehow that's what they want. Are we giving them what they want? Somehow, I don't know. You know, if I've heard you talk about before, maybe uh, uh, with someone like the door, uh, door going or, or something. I don't know if that would be related. I call it, but, I
2: call it door going. That's the term that I came up with. Uh huh. Door is a term that William Wright came up with, but we're talking about the same thing.
3: Right. Now, is that, you know, perhaps, perhaps a lot of the triggers that are making people stressed out and creating negative energy, is that along with what they want? they want us to create this massive amount of negative energy for them to harvest off for some nefarious purpose?
2: Uh, To harvest? Say it again?
3: Yeah, to siphon off of, you know, um, to take from. Oh, yes. You um,
2: okay, so the argument argument for that is um, this is how I get people to, to think along those lines. So you ask yourself this question, would they be interested in doing something like that? Think about it for a little bit. That's why I pause to get people to think. What do you think? Would be interested in doing something
3: like that? Well, I don't know. I don't know what the value in that type of energy would be to them.
2: Well, this is the way that you would know if there was significant value, then they would, then they would be interested. Sure. It all comes down to the word significant. See that? Because they can. So therefore, if it's significant, they will.
3: Uh huh.
2: So they would. Because they always will do that. Because um, they don't have any reason not to. Because they just have this unbelievable collective power that just taps into everything it's just like this massive machine that's capable of doing every everything just moving f- uh, you know through the corridors of time just gobbling everything up you know they can get their hands into everything it's not like, it's, well that's too much work, I don't know if we'll do that You know, they, they don't have the, that kind of thinking that's not a problem with them mm-hmm. the thing I want to say is that man is also a filter of energy, he filters it for good or bad because we we absorb energy, and yeah. so if we if we project energy, obviously there's energy being directed at us, and then it's it's coming through us and being projected out, and it, it could have a, a positive or a negative effect. And when you have this kind of um, you know mental uh, vampirism, that has to do with the intent people just carry around negative uh, energy fields and just being in close proximity to them, that's going to affect your field. And then you have uh, another level where people are unintentional energy vampires. And then you have the intentional energy vampires. And anybody in the Illuminati who has any significant, uh, significance at all, uh, as far as like awareness, they're all energy vampires. That's part of their religion. And that's what they're doing in these rituals with these bodies mm-hmm. is they're um, utilizing this energy. you probably heard me talk about the, the, the energy is concentrated in certain bodily fluids. That's yeah. why they eat the heart. Now, you know, I'm conspiratorial enough to believe that, um, that all this could be manufactured, that they actually don't do that. It was just, um, well, here's what we do with black mass rituals, and we'll just tell them that. And I actually believe that it probably doesn't take place the way they show it. At the same time, I do believe they do this kind of thing. I think there's significant evidence they do eat the heart and things like that. So I don't, I don't think that's fake. I'm just saying, I, I, at least I'm questioning it a little bit, being skeptical.
3: Uh-huh.
2: That's what we're told because I have not been in a satanic ritual.
3: They don't, they don't invite you.
2: <laughs> How do we know <laughs> what's going on there? See, that's the problem. <laughs> How do we know?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We have to trust well, since, somebody again.
3: See, since we're talking about the Illuminati now, mm-hmm. um, and we've ref, you've mentioned before the apex of civilization being in the cavern cities.
2: Does that seem logical that, to you? Um, let, me, let me explain that real quick. Uh, evil is hidden. Is that is that correct?
3: It hides. That, that, That would be correct.
2: And the evil men hide themselves. Mm -hmm. So um, they don't have a problem with boring into the underworld and creating cavern cities. They're going to do that because they can. So they did. They're down there. So now they have all these uh, cities down there and everything like that, do you think that they would want to have the apex of civilization on the surface of the earth or below it? It's basic common sense. Why would they have it on the surface? Uh Uh-huh. Well, what's wrong with people? You know, they can't even think about these things, but go ahead. I mean, it seems like a strange thought to people. But to me, it's perfect common sense. It's mm-hmm. illogical to think otherwise.
3: Well, I can't figure out how they would... Uh, <laughs> well, I've, prob- I've probably got some massive assumptions going on, but uh, assuming that that they were at one time you know something like us as in human.
1: Mhm. Uh,
2: well, they're partly human. I'm just saying they're not fully human just like we're we're not part, we're not fully human either.
3: Okay, I can follow it's that.
2: Modified. Yeah. See, I'm being a little idealistic. I mean, once you get dental work, you're not 100% human anymore, right?
3: Right. I I saw, yeah, yeah. You're
2: actually a, tr- a crude form of transhumanism there.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah. So how how is it I mean, how how could we come up with ideas here and just postulate? How, without any form of solar energy down there, how are they able to survive?
2: Um, we've all talked about this in the past. Um, sometimes when things are not discussed as much, um, I tend to uh, not easily recall the information. I can't, Sometimes I just yeah. need to think about it for a while and it comes back. Uh-huh yeah we've um well you're you're talking about theories here yeah okay? now supposedly what happens is when you go deeper into the earth, the earth becomes self luminous now that's either true or it isn't true uh I'd have to create a an apologetic uh for why that's true. the luminati is basically telling us this, but in a context that um would be to most people absurd. Uh, these inner-earth stories and stuff like that. There's a great book out there called Eddardorfa. And it's uh, it's disinformation. A lot of people have believed that it's true. And uh, they promote this in the book. There's a lot of good science in there, like esoteric science.
1: Uh-huh.
2: But then they create an absurd story that most people would immediately reject. And you're, what you're supposed to do is reject everything. This is a technique that they use, you see. Mm. Because it's safe to put the truth out there, because they they like to put the truth out there, but in a context, it's not going to benefit very many people. It would it would not benefit Christians. That's their main concern. Is so. I've got that book. I don't believe the story. I think it was manufactured. But uh, anyway, um, you know, solar light penetrates uh, all things. And basically, you know, you can sun gaze through your window, and I've been around and around with this kind of thing, mm-hmm. even to the point of trying to get revelation on whether this is true because I didn't trust the information. And, uh, but as you, as you penetrate the earth, well, let's step back a little bit. I've talked about negative ions and how they're actually good for you. But when you go into a cave, the farther you go into that cave, the more negative ions you experience. Now, that, that's actually a fact. Okay. Okay, so you you take that principle and now you apply it to going in the subterranean realm and what's going to happen you're going to progressively get into a healthier state. Uh now theoretically you could have less solar radiation, but I'm not certain about that. The earth uh transmutes the solar radiation. I don't know how far it penetrates because that's that's our life, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, there may be a replacement energy down there, or there could be an inner sun. I mean, most hollow Earth theorists believe there is an inner sun, although I wouldn't feel comfortable saying it's the sun. Now mm-hmm. I have to tell you, I actually do believe this. I I cannot prove it. There's a series of arguments because I do believe there's a hollow. I don't believe the Earth is you know an, uh, a sphere so every every single it's, it's amazing how the hollow earth community is not really dialoguing with the uh, you know the flat earth community i mean it's a little bit but they're not they're not creating um a middle cosmology where they're combining both views
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's just not happening so uh, i think the flat earthers have a hard time reconciling the uh, concept of a subterranean realm with their flat earth this Mark Sargent guy says that he used to be really big. you know who he is?
3: Uh, slightly, yeah.
2: He's the biggest uh, guy out there promoting... Uh, well, he's a newbie. But uh, he's...
3: Yeah, but he's got a, a lot of videos and stuff, right?
2: It's between him and Eric Dubay. Have you heard of mm-hmm.
3: him? Yeah.
2: Okay, but they're uh, they're out there on the circuit pretty much, whatever you want to call it out, and uh, promoting this kind of thing. But he used to be a real big uh, Hollow Earther see, then he says, I I don't want to misquote him or anything, but apparently he moved past the hollow earth thing. I could be wrong about that, but he's definitely de-emphasizing it because I I think a lot of people have problems reconciling or blending the hollow earth with the flat earth. I'm not not a flat earther, okay, so. To me, that's not a problem. I'm a little confused. Can't you just think a little bit deeper there? (laughs) It's just under your feet, so if you want to believe that the earth is a flat disk, fine, you know.
4: Um,
2: put it under your feet. Because that's mm-hmm. what, as far as we know, that's what people believe in the ancient world in every culture. was a cavernous underworld. But that's not to be confused with the so-called hollow center.
4: Yeah.
2: And I still have this hollow, I call it a hollow interior, but that's farther down than the cave systems where the... Uh,
3: I uh, I've never heard you you say it's that before. Well. Okay.
2: well, I tell you what. Um there is a great book on this subject called uh Caverns, Cauldrons, and geez, something else. And that would be a great book to get. I'm going to have to look that up on amazon.com. Sure. Recommend for and, and I just I was just on iTunes, so uh, I actually thought about interviewing this guy. I never interview anybody. Uh, You know, the author of that book. Mm -hmm. Because he he has been interviewed a few times. He would be... uh, Because he believes... Apparently he believes the apex of civilization is is subterranean as well. Hmm. This is a very entertaining book to read. I don't have it. You can just just tell. It's it's a good one. Cavern,
3: Cauldrons, and Concealed Creatures?
2: Yes, that's it. Okay. Uh, th- do you have the author there?
3: It's pulling it up here. Michael Mott.
2: Yeah. A lot of times his name it starts off with a W M.
3: Yeah, it's it's got that here. It's like a William or something.
2: Yeah, I don't know why he's doing that. Apparently, that's an abbreviation for William. Mhm. But anyway, if you um. You know, this reading. is not a Christian podcast, but I would still recommend it. Um the Higher Side Chats. You can find that Oh, out.
3: yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Uh he interviews a lot of these type of people. Like he's got Eric Dubay on there and he he's got uh, th- this guy that wrote this book. Mhm. He's only been interviewed that I've seen well on iTunes. He's only there's only got a couple other interviews with him on there. Maybe three others. But um uh, he might just come on here and talk for an hour or something like that, you know. An hour to me is like, you're just getting started here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. um,
3: Well, I've wondered about that. But we don't really
2: know um, for certain what happens when you go down because we have to trust um, scientific expeditions and our scientists and the artificial night sky. We can't, we can't trust science anymore. Um, they're unreliable. Mm-hmm. They've been tricked. They've been hoodwinked by pseudoscience. They haven't learned how to think straight. So we can't really trust their conclusions. Um, we can just go kind of go with general principles, but a lot, yeah, a lot of it's theory. But um, as you go farther down into the earth, everything changes. And as a general rule, I have to say that it actually becomes more beneficial to uh, biological life forms, which man is. Is one of which is kind of curious because I've said before on a show, emphasizing that you know life comes primarily from the sun, mm-hmm. but not just the sun. It's cosmic energy is streaming down from all these celestial objects. It's not all beneficial. Some of it's harmful. This is this is a very interesting subject. I <laughs> think you get complicated here real quick because that's what happens with the dark moon, and you have these um, dark stars which actually admit light, but they're murky. And they are... See, everybody has a star. You have a star. You don't know your name of it. You know what I mean? And it talks about these wandering stars in you know, the book of Jude. And people just assume that he's using you know, flowery poetic language. He's speaking um, the ancient belief system there, that every, every man has a star. You see? And he's saying that these men who are uh, reprobate their stars are dark. You see? Okay. And um, But they, they all emit light, but they have a murky light. You wouldn't necessarily be able to see them. They'd probably be dark. Uh, for instance, in the uh, constellation of the Pleiades, which, uh, which we're told it was the most important constellation in the ancient world, that's, that's a pretty important subject there. Mm-hmm. But... Um, there's seven primary stars in the Pleiades that w- which were associated universally with um, feminine beings around the world, and uh, but one of them is what's called the Lost Sister, and uh, I I'm convinced that she is a star that was associated with Persephone, and the mysteries about Persephone were the most important mysteries in the ancient world that the uh, that the public had access to through um, the ancient mystery schools. And most Christians would just roll their eyes and not think there's anything important there at all. You know what I mean? Uh, so that's not a subject, but um, I can't readily prove that um, that they had to do with Persephone either. But she was supposedly, um, well, the common story is that she was abducted by uh, Hades. And he's the god of the underworld. And he is the Old Testament devil, in my estimation, Azazel. I believe we have a different devil in the apostolic scriptures. And the new devil is a being that actually fell from heaven. Uh, the, the older one was one that was created that way. He existed all, through all eternity, like all spirits do. But God darkened him. He never had like a, a moral fall. And he created a realm for him which is very interesting because it's actually below um the waters that lie under the earth. Most people don't know that there's waters that lie under the earth. The Bible actually talks about this. I mean like clearly. And people used to believe this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. For instance, the um the Samarians talked about the Apsu and they talked about Tiamat and it's easy to get those two things confused. But they're talking about two different waters, regions of waters. They're talking about two different regions of the cosmic sea. And there's, I'm telling you right now, Stefan, there's nobody out there. because you know, There's all this um, interest in the flat earth. But these guys are not even close to the truth. Because they're not factoring in the cosmic sea, which was prominent in all ancient cosmological models, all of them. Mm-hmm. Now, as a deep conspiracist, I'm going to believe that some of this is being done intentionally. They want to slow the process down because they know that all this is going to be rediscovered. So why is everybody missing the boat on this? And this is really true, that man, as a general rule, he only contemplates things that set in his lap. So they roll these guys out there and start promoting the flat Earth. Mm-hmm. And people just kind of follow. Now I'm not criticizing the fakeologists, but I mean, maybe I am, but I mean they keep contemplating what's set in their lap. Why can't they develop their own theories? I have the theories. Pay attention. Now, we'll call it middle cosmology. I just came up with that term the other day. Mm-hmm. And it's real simple. It communicates that there's... um. <clears throat> There's something in between the uh, cosmological extremes of a spherical Earth and a flat Earth. Why is that so hard? It, wouldn't it just be like everything else they do down through history? They hide the middle,
1: mm-hmm. that's true,
2: and create. See, the reason we have these extreme positions is because they're manufactured. When people say, "Well, why does the truth always found in the middle, Dave?" Because they create errors on each um, extreme edge of of the truth. And they do it over and over again because it's very effective, because it's designed to fool the person who doesn't do research. The common man does not do research all through the centuries. And the people that think they're doing research, they're just uh, largely recirculating things. Not their own ideas, you see, but things that other people have said, and then posting them, and pasting them and copying them because see man's creativity is evolving. people are not becoming more intelligent they're becoming progressively less um, intuitive and they have less and less creativity why is it that that we have a devolution of creativity from our childhood and we accept that as normal did you know Mm -hmm. that we do
3: that yeah you were more creative when
2: you were a child yeah that's right well, we have all these um, devolutional trends in our society, and because it's happening to everyone, we just accept it. It's just, just normal because it's ha- it happens to everybody. So we just well, that's just normal, Dave. You're trying to say that there's something wrong with that, you know? Yeah. We should, because you know, it didn't happen with me. I'm the interesting lab rat they may want to keep around and study, so they can make sure. Let's don't uh, make that mistake again whatever we did wrong with him let's don't do it again because
1: <laughs> you know what I mean
2: so mm-hmm. keep Dave around because I'm not really well I don't know I guess I'm creating a little damage out there doing these podcasts so other than that you know I'm kind of an isolationist maybe they'll knock me off here one of these days <laughs> I'm just joking because <laughs> I believe I'm protected by God you know I should be dead because I'm, I'm a serious threat yeah uh, the artificial night sky is a serious threat because there's no way to refute it. So I don't want to talk about that right now, but anyway. So, yeah, the the underworld that Azazel dwells in, I'm throwing that term out there. That's problematic because it's difficult to prove that his name is Azazel. But uh, he, he was given... Uh, you see, you know, that realm was created from the very beginning. God didn't create it after the fall of Adam. You understand that? If you're talking about a significant structure, structural aspect of the uh, overall cosmos at the very bottom. And um, I'm saying that there's waters below Hades. It's kind of hard to conceptualize this in your mind, you know. And then uh, below these lower waters, that's where Azazel's realm is. And those waters, the Sumerians called Apsu, because they distinguish between the, the seawater... And the, uh, the non-sea water. But they said that um, that those waters have to do with Inky. And Inky is... I mean, he's a serpent. He's called the great dragon. And he's called the serpent. That's what they called him. And it's pretty obvious to me that he is the, um, the ancient uh, adversary. So, anyway... Um, we were talking about um, how things actually improve as you go deeper into the earth. You got to understand that um, the surface of the earth is uh, is extremely toxic. You can't live for very long up here. Now, see that right there? That's a basic, common sense apologetic for why you would not want to build uh, the apex of civilization on the surface. You see that? It doesn't even make any sense. Now, you could do it. Um, You could create a localized area like a Shangri-La in Tibet. It couldn't be very large. You could create etheric shields around it in an artificial environment, which is actually natural. You could do that. Now, I actually believe that they have done that. I actually believe in Shangri-La. I don't think I've Mm. talked about that on the show. I believe that they have these kind of areas on the surface, and they also have the ability to create etheric cities that are virtually invisible. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you can walk through them, but you can't see them. And I also believe that the Cosmic Mountain, which none of these... uh, budding uh, cosmologists are talking about. Um none of them are talking about the cosmic mountain. But um 'cause that wasn't a a pretty important aspect of ancient cosmologies. It's still talked about today, like in uh, in the east they still talk about Mount Maru. Nothing's changed What would
3: have, what would have been the significance of this place?
2: Well what I was gonna say is that they have um as you uh as you go Farther north, that's what the Bible talks about. In north, see, north in the Bible, north is heaven, and as you okay. as you proceed farther north, you have less density because you know heaven is a physical place, but it just has less density. And the same thing with the, with the mountain. The mountain actually penetrates the firmament, which is a lot of people would have a hard time processing. But it reaches up to the third heaven. I've talked about this before. It's almost like, do I want to talk about this because I feel like if I talk about it, I have to kind of give evidence for it every time the the uh, the third heaven is supposed to be on this mountain. And you can actually find evidence for this on Google. People people talking about it and uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of weird really that that's something that far out would be discussed on the internet at all. Um let me see here. So anyway, as you go uh, up farther north or just upward, everything has decreased density. Hmm. And so if you look at the mountain, you can't see it, the top of it. Because it uh it has basically what like an etheric cloud around it. It can't be seen. But it uh its structure changes and it, it passes right through the uh the firmament which is uh is a solid structure even though it's crystalline in nature supposedly Mm-hmm. It has to be some kind of uh have some kind of qualities like that because the um there's a secondary source of light that the cosmologists don't talk about either, and they knew this in the ancient world and it streams down from heaven and uh this explains why there was um uh, there was light present in in Genesis before the sun and moon were created, mhm. And so Christians don't have any framework for that. Somewhat, somewhat curiously, they're forced to come up with theories that this is spiritual light. He's not talking about the creation of. Um, he's talking about cre- the dense creation. That, that's everything is the dense creation. And uh, that would be an exception. I'm saying no. You just don't understand that there's that heaven is a light source. Okay. And, you know, it's it's hard to figure these things out. Because why isn't the entire Earth bathed in light if there's a light source from heaven?
1: Mm, yeah. have
2: talked about yeah, that before. You have, to, you have to solve these problems, you know. It's kind of like a spotlight effect. The Earth is... Um, you see, my cosmology is radically different than what they're talking about. I'll be talking about this with David Cohan because I'm taking some notes so we can talk about it. But um, he's pretty good at this kind of thing. The guy over in England... Yeah, but um, I'm saying that we live on Middle Earth, and it is uh, it um, it's tilted in Oceanus, the cosmic sea. Mm-hmm. Remember, they're ignoring Oceanus, and they're also ignoring uh, the lands in the east and west that people used to believe in that are beyond Oceanus. Oceanus is just the Greek term. But remember now, all of these ancient cosmologies, as far as we know, you know, because I'm the guy that's saying we don't have certainty about the past, okay? But if we believe what we have, they're all an integral part of all those cosmologies. That's a fact. The scholars will acknowledge that. These guys are just, um, they're trying to figure it out. And they've got significant elements that are missing. And, uh, I'm Theorizing that, well, this this is not hard to figure out. If you have something important, you're going to have agents, you're going to have disinfo, you're going to have infiltration. It will always be that way. Okay, so you ask yourself this question, is the subject of cosmology important? Well, that's kind of a dumb question. Because that has to do with the framework of your reality. Mm -hmm. So, yes, they would have agents out there. So that means that they're there. Now, this is very interesting because... The Illuminati did not make any significant moves in the 20th century to f- promote the flat Earth. Now, David Coleham, I hate to put words in his mouth, but he believes that this is some kind of a reaction to the cloud behind the moon and the—I and the, uh, don't know if he said the art sky—but look at the timing of the whole thing. hmm you know I mean, I mean, yeah. it wasn't a coincidence that um, the two of our podcasts disappeared. In our Facebook group was taken down. And and people got taken, literally taken down. Uh, but these things happened. I was punished on the very day that I agreed to go public with The Cloud Behind the Moon on somebody else's show. It happened on that very day. That, that was not a coincidence. That was a signal. That was a warning. And... Uh, Basically, what they do is they say, let's see what you got to bring to the table. You know, do, you, do, you, do you know what you're getting into? Because you know, I've said before that they have kept their distance from me as an individual. They don't follow me around. But they do these things to everybody else, and that's a fact. I don't care if it's um, you know, seeing weird orbs in the sky all of a sudden because now you're talking with Dave or because you have fake clouds following you when you're in a car. Like Hector. I actually got that in the name of a podcast. You know, Fake Clouds. Mm-hmm. It runs the gamut, man. And a lot of times it's these weird people with Freemasonic regalia showing up uh, at the supermarket. And this happened to Eric as well. They weren't wearing Freemasonic gear, but um reaching for the... Hey, Johnny, you're there. Are you awake? Yeah, I'm right here, dude. Did this happen to you? Did somebody reach for something that you normally buy? They reach for it ahead of you. They grab it just before you. Did that happen to you? No. Okay, it was somebody else. Um, it might have been Channing. Who was that? I can't remember. But this has happened to a number of people. You know, we did that podcast on uh, on raw food. Eric reviewed a raw food restaurant that he went to. We started off by talking about how he had been uh, followed in an obvious manner, you know, when he went to the store. I mean, they want you to know. There's no no question, you know. Otherwise, that would be a failure. I mean, this guy has a handler. He's given basic orders, and that's that's one of the things that they want as a goal. Uh, They want to get inside of your head, you know, because a lot of people will... They want you to think about what you're doing. Do you really want to do this? So that's basically what they were doing with me. you, you, you realize what you're getting into? Do you, you want to proceed, Dave? Yeah. I'm going to go for it, guys, with God's protection. Okay. And uh, every day that goes by without you being able to knock me out is a mockery of your power and who's really in control. How many people are going to say something like that? Because I'm supremely confident. So there you go. That's why people would think that. Okay, if you're going to make a statement like that, that's that's an indicator that got, this guy's an agent. And I talk about that openly because um, it actually is, but it doesn't prove anything because it could be either or. Isn't it true, Stefan, that this conversation we had earlier today, because we were talking like three hours? I kept talking about these scenarios where <clears throat> there's really only two possible extremes. When you think about a lot of things that have happened in my life, mm-hmm. you, know, you have the Evil Dave Theory or you have the opposite. See? And, you, and you're, you understood that, didn't you? Because you have phenomena that's undeniable happening. It can be uh, supernatural phenomena. Supernatural phenomena with atheists are virtually incapable of refuting or explaining, such as exorcisms or speaking in tongues, they think they can. Okay, but uh, show up at the exorcism in person, because you want to think it's all fake or we're all delusional, and then we'll we'll go from there. You know what I mean? Would you agree with me on that? How are they going to explain that? An exorcism.
3: Yep. they don't have much to go by with that.
2: Okay, so basically, when you go into the uh, farther into the earth, it's like going into a cave. It's actually um, more beneficial for a biological organism. But I'm, uh, you know, the sun's radiation—that's what it is—which shows you there's there's good radiation and bad radiation. is being transmuted. It's still there, and I actually don't know how far it penetrates. God may have designed the earth. Now the Earth is an accumulator. It's a it's a giant we call it orgone accumulator, and it it may be that it actually um, transmutes the energy of the sun, and uh, that that's not a problem through the entire depth of the Earth. Hmm. We don't I don't know how how deep it is, and um, but you know as far as like a sunbeam I mean that's that gets blocked by any kind of physical barrier. But there's a, there's, a, there's a more subtle solar light, which I've talked on the show. There's actually like three different forms of light. There's spiritual light. There's a, kind of a dense material light, like a sunbeam. Then there's an in-between kind of an etheric light. And the moon and the sun both have—they have both of those kind of lights. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may have spiritual light too. I'm not sure about that. But there's definitely an etheric light. Well, the reason we know is an etheric light coming from the sun is because there's an etheric uh, electrical field behind everything. So <laughs> the sun is not the exception. The sun has one too. And the sun is a, a, an emitter of, of energy, so it's streaming from it. And in a, in a sunbeam, which is something that's being projected from a source, it's going to have this etheric light, and that's being projected too. So it has two different types of light. And I do believe that the etheric light is more important so, what do we know about this etheric light? because see this is what's what's more critical to human life that see that's what's in the blood. the sunbeam is a car- as a carrier of etheric light, just like the blood is or sperm or food or water or any of these things. You see that it's really the ethers mm-hmm. so the ethers um you could theorize they don't have any kind of problem whatsoever with penetrating the earth. Okay. See that? So that's one way to circumvent that. And once you set that aside, the deeper you go, you can theorize that everything improves. And it also becomes self-luminous. And basically all the problems are solved. Yeah. And... Now they've had people that have gone in the caves and just walked and walked, and eventually the cave uh, system becomes luminous. And you could theorize that God has ordered things this way uh, to to enable man to survive these cataclysms because that was the only way that you could survive a a universal catastrophe of uh, fire. If that was to ever happen, the Bible talks about it. It's prophesied elsewhere outside of the Bible. But uh, the only way you're going to survive that, unless you actually prepare ahead of time, you've got some resources by, you know, burying under the earth, is to get in the cave system or you'll be destroyed. So that's how man's surviving. I've said before how it talks about three different times in the, God is speaking to to man and he's kind of mocking them and saying, go into the caves. And he says it three different times in Isaiah, Isaiah 2. That's, that's how you survived. So, See, we think that if you go into the uh, the caves away from, uh, you know, the modern world, electricity, anything like that, everything's going to go bad. Mm-hmm. Actually, everything improves. It's the exact opposite. And that's actually our programming. See, we have a negative view of that. We don't even know where to go. And I'm saying that all that is a product of social engineering. It sounds kind of absurd. But people don't realize this is a life and death matter. Uh, there's times... When man has to get into the caves or he'll be eliminated, destroyed. So that's why it's important. And if people had not got into the caves, mankind wouldn't have survived this cataclysm, which I believe took place in the first century. But they wouldn't be able to uh, survive a fiery cataclysm. But what is interesting, the Illuminati will always survive, and they don't have these um, speed bumps along the way. They're always ascending, and we're descending. And I've talked about, um, <clears throat> you know, the reverse snowball effect where they reached a peak of acceleration some po- sometime in the distant past. And so they're, they're making some progress, but it's, it's probably relatively minimal. They're discovering new things, you know. But I think all the big discoveries have already been made and already been applied. And all that is directed at their... Um, Evolution. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Well, they accelerate our devolution. And then they, they tempt us with all these, uh, Well, here's what's going to happen in the future. It be so wonderful. But it's not going to happen. I don't believe that at all. Why would they... Unless God commanded them to do it, I don't believe he's going to. I believe he's going to punish us. I'm not sure if you know what my belief system is, but um, he's going to punish us. And uh, But... Unless he commands them to help us, why would they be interested in accelerating human evolution? Because I actually believe in you know, evolution in a qualified sense. I'm not talking about anything like remotely doing with Darwinism. Yeah. Evolution is simply the opposite of devolution. If you understand how I talk about devolution. Yeah. Because uh, devolution actually relates to, uh, to uh, the subject of Evolution. If you go to an article on uh, Wikipedia, they actually have uh, something on devolution, but it's not what I'm talking about. It's like a subgenre of, uh, it's a theory about devolution, how it doesn't always apply and stuff like that. I mean, it's kind of distantly related, but this is a big, wide, sweeping, broad subject that I'm talking about. You know, there are, there's no articles on it. Have you thought about the Hollow uh, Earth theory very much? That's what they call it. Me? Probably not, huh? What's that?
0: Who, who are you?
3: Who, who are you asking?
2: You. Johnny's in there. I invited him in there. Yeah. He's pretty quiet, so he's...
3: he responds.
2: Yeah, I... asked him a question. Go ahead.
3: I've thought about it. Uh, well. I thought about it in a reactionary sense. When I first came across it a couple of years ago, the hollow earth theory, I immediately kind of thought it was...
2: What was your first reaction?
3: Uh, My first reaction was, you know, I was attracted to it because it's a different type of reality.
2: Oh, really? You were attracted to it? That's interesting. Okay. Well,
3: be- not not because I think it's... Like, um. <laughs> Not because I would easily believe in it, but because it was, you know, it's, like I say, it's a different, it's a different reality. And hey, that's fun, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's consider this, because you know, you get a little bit conspiratorial, and you want to kind of titillate your mind, I guess, with other ideas. And um, but then it, it just it didn't make it didn't make enough sense to me because they always they're going to put you know these huge holes on the poles, and then some sort of interior sun, and it, and it just got kind of ridiculous.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, and then later on, seeing some of these other models, and and kind of adapting and blending and creating a, I guess maybe more of my own model. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I kind of found that by doing that, I I realized, hey, that the Bible has has a bit to say on this as well. I had never mm-hmm. considered it, you know. And once I realized that, I, I I guess I kind of felt like, oh, I have, I've got some ground to kind of uh, create a model here that, that the Bible may, may even reflect in some regard, you know. And so I think, you know, it opened up concepts to me like, okay, like Sheol, Sheol having an actual physical realm, you know, under your feet somewhere. Yeah, which I didn't. I you know you would you wouldn't get that in a in a classic Hollow Earth model. Uh, say it again. Shield so you you
2: that in a classic Hollow Earth model.
3: Right. Right.
2: Well, I think that they tend to emphasize the 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 hollow interior, um, forgetting that there's 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 a large area in between those two regions and the
1: surface okay. world. Uh huh.
2: So there's like three areas. There's the surface world, there's the hollow interior, the hollow world, and this um, region in between where I'm saying that the supermen actually dwell. They're not in the – I don't claim that they're in, in the interior. I, I actually believe – and I can't prove any of this stuff. Um, there's argumentation for it, though, that there's um, a civilization in there that's typically different than uh, humans. There's all kinds of beings out there they're basically hidden and there's different realms I'm not talking about parallel realities this is what people used to believe in the ancient world so we've just kind of lost all that and everything's just kind of gotten simplified and um but i believe that there's there's beings that are are not they're not what we call human they're not descended from adam but they dwell in there and like i said i can't prove it there's reasons why and uh, it's all interesting speculation really i mean i've read book after book after book after book about this kind of stuff you know mm-hmm. um there's an interesting book out there called world top secret our earth is hollow and it's 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 written by a mormon his name is Rodney Cluff C L U F F i have that book and um this guy i don't know what quite to make of him if i was to think about use one word to describe him i would use the word naive i would have to use that word mm mm-hmm. Because he's obviously, this is a good example of somebody, I'm assuming he's not an agent, okay? I'm going to explain why. He's obviously someone who has an insufficient conspiratorial mind. So when Dave talks about, you know, do you have a sufficiently conspiratorial mind, a lot of people just kind of go, well, is that important? Well, I'm going to illustrate why it is. This guy, unless he's not an agent, he has actually tried to... Uh, will participate, he's one of the participants in a hollow earth expedition mm-hmm. to go through the hole in the pole.
1: Mm-hmm. And, okay?
2: <laughs> and it's... <laughs> I could, even I couldn't get through that laughing. But I mean, they have a website for all this, and the guy has been on Coast to Coast AM talking about this um, expedition, and I believe there's another guy who's actually the, the, the true head of the expedition. Uh... Who's talked about it on Coast to Coast AM, I believe. And uh, you know, what do you think that I, <laughs> my opinion would be about um, going off and trying to, uh, you know, fund an expedition and actually getting on a boat and doing all that, all that kind of stuff. What do you think my opinion hmm. would be on that?
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: <I don't> <laughs> yeah. You guys ever heard of the <laughs> Illuminati?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: you think they're. Good? You know, unless you're the new Moses or something like that, do you really think that they're going to let you do all this? Now, I was just listening to a podcast, I believe it was Eric Dubé, and he said something that I have not heard before. One of the most fascinating subjects out there, by the way, is Antarctica. We should have a whole show on that, but... Um, Hopefully, uh, David Colham can uh, run into some things. Because I like, I like to kind of like a pick his brain. We've done a couple shows. One, uh, all the audio was lost. and That was too bad because it's a really good one. But uh, I actually like to pick his brain a little bit. It's a good show where I just kind of do color commentary. In other words, he just kind of brings his research. You know, what have you been looking into? Let's talk about it. The, I don't want to talk so much. You talk, you know.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, the one that got up there was the one with his dog barking. <laughs> I didn't actually notice that during the podcast, so I listened the second time. It was kind of humorous. But um, Eric Dubay said that um, that people have been turned away uh, from Antarctica. Uh, they actually use like military, uh, you know, weapons and stuff like that to turn them away. I would be a little suspicious of that. I'm not saying that didn't happen. Um, I would think that they would stop them before they even left for Antarctica, but not necessarily so. I think they would most of the time. What they do, they give you a little tap on the shoulder, and they go, uh, hello, this is how the system really works. But maybe for some reason they allow them to go down there and uh, be confronted with, uh, see, it's all, the military, it's a multinational, as far as I know, uh, has multinational military protection. Mm -hmm. And that is the most secret area on the surface of the world except for possibly some smaller areas like what I talked about over in Tibet where you could have these hidden cities. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about that, but um, Antarctica is an incredibly secretive place. And when you listen to Mark Sargent and Eric Dubay. Uh, that's what they're pretty good at, except for Mark Sargent is making all these massive assumptions about um things that have to do with um Admiral Bird, which we can't possibly know. See there really is no difference between Admiral Byrd and um the Apollo Moon mission. Okay? It doesn't matter whether you go to Antarctica or whether you go to the Moon. We have we lose contact with them. Hmm. See? Once they go past a certain point, we don't know, we don't know anything, a, a total zero, about what's going on. We have to trust them 100% for all the information. You see that? Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter if they're on the moon. Antarctica will do. <laughs> we don't know anything about what happened to Admiral Burton down there. Once he goes past a certain point... Uh, he's in the no-information zone. And uh, either Mark Sargent or uh, Eric Dubé said that he was the youngest admiral in uh, American history. What is that going to tell you right there? Now, he was a Freemason as far as I know. And you know, he's one of them. Mm-hmm. And they actually have old footage of the guy. And he's... um a reasonably likable person, you know what I mean? And i got to be honest with you, when I listen to Mark Sargent, uh, you know, I analyze people's uh, tonal structure and stuff like that, and uh, he sounds pretty good. He doesn't sound like an agent, you know what I mean? He sounds like a, a real nice guy. Uh, that's the problem, you know what I mean? Um, we've talked about the white picket fence Satanists that give mm-hmm. a little sucker to your child hi, have a nice day, how you doing there <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, they're some of the nicest people around isn't it a wonderful day um, but uh, I'm not talking about uh, emphasizing uh, Mark Sargent, I'm talking about you know, Admiral Byrd what I'm trying to say is we're trusting him and mm-hmm. there's no reason at all, to trust anything that he says. Nothing. And um, we have to be even careful that he even said these things. Now I'll just tell you flat out, <clears throat> and this will expose some of the kind of, you know, quote-unquote, research that's going on out there. There's an amazing amount of uh, hollow earth theorists or researchers, they want to call them theorists, researchers that are uh, putting trust in this um, this diary of Admiral Admiral Byrd, I'm just tell this thing is a complete fake and um it's totally absurd. I I think it's got some truth in it, you know? The Illuminati have written a lot of books about uh the Hollow Earth by the way. And um a lot of them are it's obvious fakery. That's designed to just get you to project everything, so the baby out of the bathwater. Yeah. And uh, other things are more sophisticated, like Edadorfa, Where they're actually, it's once they discredit the book is discredited. Now we can tell you the truth, you see, because you're not going to believe the story. The story is is that this guy went through this uh, this tunnel system with this strange being, and that aspect of the story is, is I don't believe it at all. Okay, But I do believe that a lot of the things that are said about what he saw along the way, like gigantic fungi and stuff like that, I actually think that's true. Can't prove it. I've spent a lot of time thinking about these things over the years. And that is a very strange book, Edidorfa. E-T-I-D-O-R-P-H-A. And that's an old book and uh i don't normally recommend this kind of stuff but
0: uh Does that
3: that's uh aphrodite backwards
2: you know um aphrodite
3: well, if you spell that backwards it i, I think seem it would to be
2: remember a... that if that's
3: true
1: aphrodite? aphrodite
2: i've been talking about the the secret goddess and how she's everywhere but she's hidden, and the reason she's hidden is because she's sacred. What I'm saying is that um, there's all kinds of different uh, hierarchical forms of Satanism, and the lower forms, they don't know anything of a hidden goddess. All they know is the male being. You see a consistent pattern of a concealed, we'll call her she-devil. It's over and over and over again. There's um, what's happening is people are not looking for it, so that's why they're not seeing If you look for it, you'll go, "What is going on here?" Mm-hmm. We're just supposed to assume that this doesn't exist. Now, see, it's logical to conclude that the adversary has at least one consort. Why would he be limited to one? It has to do with the word desire. Does he have desire for a consort? If he does, then why would he have desire for only one? He's going to be monogamous. Give me a break. Hmm. So it's really absurd to, you know, just give him one. Now I'm saying that God gave him one within the wider framework of, you know, cosmic dualism. <clears throat> um, I'm putting this into Google to see what it shows up here. Um, yes. Aphrodite backwards.
3: Wow. You know, I didn't think of Aphrodite. I just thought of uh the, you know, the I don't know what it would mean, but when you say "Aphrodite," I I just picked up the um a, a diet portion, but Aphrodite, yeah, you're right. It would yeah.
2: Okay, now uh I'm going to a link. Now, I I I knew this and I had forgotten it. And uh, there is, um, a, there's a lot of interesting books written about the Hollow Earth in the 19th century. And uh, there was another book called uh, "The Goddess of Tabar. I pronounced that right. And uh, that would be another example of this obscure reference to this mysterious goddess figure. And you just. Mm-hmm of and it has a strange name. You just going,
1: "What?" You know,
2: or editor for backwards. You go, know, "What's up with that?" And You just kind of move on. See, they're putting it out there, all over and over. Like, for instance, the Pet Goat Two video. I mean, almost the entire video, except when they show the um, the male figure alone. It, it's a constant fixation on her. Now they're they're obsessed with her, and they they put her everywhere. And uh, so, just look for her. So you have to. You know, we were just talking about the the lily symbolism You say do you know what the floor lay is yeah so i was researching to uh, substantiate my view that in the ancient world that that was um the lily was a uh you know a symbol for the uh, female genitalia yeah i mean there's scholarly work out there talking about this mm-hmm. i just haven't looked into that for a long time now, this is fascinating when you try to apply this to um the Song of Songs. Because when he browses Among the Lilies, I mean, this will crash a Christian brain right there. The guy Oh, my
3: is, goodness. Wow. He's a
1: polygamist.
3: He's <laughs> wow. a polygamist. It uh-huh. says it right
1: in
2: the text. It says.
3: Man. Um,
2: he's talking about my perfect one.
3: <laughs> Thanks a lot, <laughs> He's She's
2: superior to all of them. Well, you don't need to push that too much, because when I used that, I was actually referring to women... And not their um, their genitalia. No, you always have to have to use this word, this language. This is a highly sexual culture. So mm-hmm. what we have, we have um, mass perversity, and then we have sensitivity to sexual terms in a society of perversion. Don't you find that interesting? Now, the reason we have that is because our society is an end product of hundreds of thousands of years of social engineering. That's the way it's supposed to be. So the Illuminati wants all Christians to be sexually promiscuous. Would you agree with that? Ideally, in an ideal world, they would like everybody not to be promiscuous, but all sexual perverts. Would, Would you have a problem with that? You know, in their ideal world... If they could have their way, they want all Christians to be sexually promiscuous. Does that make sense to you?
3: Uh, I I don't know why they would want. That.
2: Well, they would want everybody to sin, right? Okay. The okay. opposite of sin is be holy. So why would they want us to be sure. holy? So therefore, they want us to be sin. So the subject is this, that we're talking about is sex. So yes, they would want that.
3: Okay.
2: Yeah. And um, I just heard my phone beep, and it made me lose my train of thought because uh, I'm going, oh, my God, i got to go through that again. I've been on the phone a lot today. Oh, so the other thing is, is that they want us to have a false guilt or just have guilt, period, whether mm-hmm. it's false guilt or whatever, because there's both uh, genuine guilt and there's false guilt. Most people just think there's genuine guilt. No, there's a false guilt, too. I didn't even think about false guilt until I... Uh, start thinking about masturbation. Uh I think about a lot of things, you know, categorical information. That's what you do when you study systematic uh systematic uh theology. uh and you know, like philosophy and stuff like that. You're you're talking about these little subcategories and genres of information. This would be within the context of betrothal. Masturbation within the context of betrothal and uh I and another person determined together that it was um, permissible. Now this is a, within an ancient mindset because in the ancient world or Hebrew culture, if you were betrothed you were married. You see that? Yeah. So the, the object of your affection it can only be your beloved. Okay? And the reason I'm saying this is because um, a lot of Christians and myself in the past have traditionally assumed that all masturbation is is wrong. But we use this one scripture where Jesus talks about you know committing adultery with your mind. That wouldn't apply to this situation because you're actually married. See mm-hmm. that? And uh, another thing that people never talk about is masturbation within the context of just like what we would call regular marriage. Notice how nobody talks about that. I mean, masturbation is always supposed to be evil. But what about if your wife is, uh, well, in the hospital or just um, touring the Philippines or something for some reason? I don't know, you know,
1: it's just (laughs) a way. Uh
2: Can you use Scripture? Does Scripture address this ethical issue? Now, you're only thinking of your wife. Well, I'm telling you flat out, it does not address this issue. Right. Whatever we may think about that, this is very important because this tells us something. This tells us something that um, God thought that this was so important to to deal with this um, ethical issue that he decided to put precisely nothing in the Bible to guide his people um to address this ethical issue. Mm -hmm. In other words, he's apparently not very concerned about it, is he? Mm. (laughs) Do you ever hear Christians talk about that?
1: Mm -hmm. No.
2: No. Um, The Illuminati has created a lot of guilt. That's an important aspect, you know, like fear, guilt, the basic emotions. They're trying to tweak all of these things. Even things like like, false peace, false happiness. They got everything going. They cover all the bases, you know. And uh, guilt is actually a form, an obscure form of fear. Now, the reason it is, is because it's related to the subject of anxiety. There's an overlap between anxiety and, and guilt, you see. And anxiety is related to fear. And we know what... Fear is the primary tool that they use down through the ages. If people can understand that, a lot of people don't, because it's primarily subtle. It's never really out in the open. It's something that uh, this is this is interesting because man, the common man, he never detects this entire his entire life. Stephen, the fear-based programming, never, never even detects mm-hmm. it, not even once. Mm-hmm. Do you realize he has not had a single thought in his, that penetrates his thick skull about the significance of fear in influencing human beings his entire life? That's one of the ways that you can show that people, um, well, like I've illustrated on the show, you can have uh, decades go by and the average person never has a single profound thought mm-hmm. in their brain, not one and you would have to qualify what a profound thought is and I'll qualify that as I have before uh that theory that I just presented whether it's true or whether it isn't if you were to ponder that as a possibility that would qualify as a profound thought so you've got you know your entire adult life just ponder something like that but do people do that no they never no. And they also don't have any profound conversations. And I'll give people a break. Maybe just one person is having a profound conversation, so you don't have anything profound to say. But it's extremely rare to actually run into anybody that has any, just like one profound thing to say in a conversation, you know, one, one thing at any given point along the line. So I'll just say, I'll make it easy. If he can, if he can say one profound thing, then And you bring nothing to the table, I'll give you a break and say that was a profound conversation because at least somebody said at least one thing profound. Mm-hmm. These people, they're never confronted with anything profound. A good way to illustrate that, do you have to understand that the average man, as I said before, he never dialogues with a scholar. He never even meets them. I'm not talking about uh, you know, college professors. I'm talking about a uh, you know, one-on-one kind of conversation. You see, that's not a conversation. Just like when, you know, a sermon, this is this is totally different. You're just sitting there passively, and you're supposed to memorize. I'm talking about, inter- that's not interacting. Right. You know I mean, people say, well, Dave, somebody can raise their hand and ask a question. I'm talking about more significant interaction than that. We've forgotten what uh, interpersonal, you know, relationships are all about. You know, real conversations, and it's funny because I did a podcast talking about this, and this guy came up. He comes up to, talk to me, talks to me on a regular basis. <clears throat> he listened to me for a short while, and he took out his handheld device and basically turned away from me as I continued to talk and just stared at the device and started playing around with it. And I told him, I said, I just did a, a podcast uh, on how people in our culture are not even looking at people that they're having a conversation with. And now most people, I would say in uh, more recent generations, the guilt would have kicked in, and he would have looked uh-huh. towards me. Yeah. But in his generation, that was not sufficient to turn his head towards me. He continued to look at the device without... You've got to really wonder if he was really listening to me mm-hmm. at all. If he even heard me, because I see, I don't know. You know maybe he's just tuning me out. Because he likes to come up here and have some you know, titillation. Because he's seen the, you know, he's seen the art sky and things like that. And they talk about it here. And I don't really promote it. I, I circulated it. And now they talk about it among themselves. And they'll stand out there in the night sky and point up there. And they were yelling through the window at me. Uh, actually, the manager that runs the place was, was talking about it. Okay. And uh, But they didn't come up and talk to me. I didn't go down to talk to them. I just stay there looking at my computer but um, I mean it's something that's irreparable. Well, um there's a there's a huge fake star it's it's bigger than anything I've ever seen and it, it's now up there every night so I was going to ask Johnny Johnny are you alive uh, it, I asked him again. yeah I'm right here uh, you got cloud cover there in Chicago Yeah. Okay. Um, When the cloud cover recedes, make sure you look up there because this thing is, like, unbelievable. Um, You can just set aside all the stuff we've talked about and just talk about this one object. What in the heck is this doing up there? It is so incredibly obvious that it's um, what we would classify as a UFO, and it's the same place every night. What are they doing? You know, are they trying to prep people uh well i've said that you know the fake stars are telling us that um the aliens are here any kind of ufo see most people they will not uh focus on the small stars they'll pat themselves on the back and get all excited because they're seeing you know these larger fake stars moving around and they're obviously some kind of ufos so they get so excited about that they uh They don't do their homework and notice that everything is moving around. It's all fake. So they know that most people are going to perceive that as a UFO, which it is. And that's going to communicate that the aliens are here, which is the same message. They're just pounding away relentlessly in uh, the media, Um, you know, in films where they can get away with it. Because the government, this is the kind of thing that they do. I've explained this before. <laughs> but the government is just like total denial in, in the military, too. So we don't know anything about UFOs, and uh, you know, we don't believe in that kind of thing here. Which is highly amusing. You know, And you turn on the History Channel, they do the exact opposite. And they go, why are they always talking about UFOs on the History Channel? Because it's so important that um, we're going to push this propaganda on you anyway, even though it has absolutely nothing to do with history unless we're gonna talk about ancient aliens, which they're always talking about. You know. But a lot of times they're talking about um you know, modern quote unquote UFO sightings which has no direct relationship with uh anything ancient because um I believe that these are they're light projections. I've said that before, so most of the UFOs And I said before also that – and this is – I need to restate this too because, um, you know, we live in a society of appointed experts, and we trust these people. And so, you know, we have these people that that go on the circuit. I'm just telling you that none of these people are worthy of commenting on the subject because they haven't learned how to think straight. I'm going to prove that right now, okay? Obviously, um, if you have a – an object like that in the sky, uh, that is clearly a UFO because it's unidentified, um, the most important question is going to be, why can we see it? You see? And and nobody's talking about this. So these guys either can't think out of a box, or they're, um, they're agents, and they don't want to help you think out of a box. It's either one or the other. And a lot of times what we have is people that, um, they throw out titillating titillating information, but they're just repeating a lot of things. And a lot of it's actually what agents say. They don't really have a lot to bring to the table. But what they'll do is they'll go out and write a book, then you become an author, and you can say, he's an author. Oh, you know, because you are. Here's the thing. You could write the worst book in world history, but guess what? You're an author. And and everybody else that didn't write a book is not an author. But you an author. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? And we're supposed to be impressed. So these people that write these books, they travel around the circuit and get all these interviews. There's a lot of podcasts out there that just interview people who have written a book. You know what I mean? Okay. But, I mean, this is basic common sense, which this world is severely lacking in. Do you understand that anybody who has the technology to put a craft up there, if it's supposed to be a craft, they would have the ability to be invisible. Because, my God, I mean, the military had that capability supposedly back in the 1940s. And that's a subject within itself, you know. But, um, obviously, if they were very advanced, they could be invisible. So, why are we able to see these crafts? Well, the answer is very simple, because they want to be seen. Now, you know how how many people I've heard, you know, these UFO experts that come on like Coast to Coast AM talk about this? Well, I'd like to say zero, but there was a guy who kind of commented on it, and I got the impression that he was not an agent, which tells me something, because the agents will not talk about this. They will not, because they don't want to help you think. But, what that object is doing is it's crying out, the aliens are here, the aliens are here, which is the same message that is loudly proclaimed in Hollywood, and it's being covertly communicated in the artificial night sky. Most people are just going to pay attention to the large fake stars. And if you do that, you won't realize that the night sky is fake. You'll just say, hey, there's a UFO up in the sky. Because this is something that anybody can see. It's not hard, you know. So th- the fact is that any time you see a UFO, that UFO is a, a vehicle of propaganda. Johnny and I talked about this recently. You've got to repeat these things. It's a form of propaganda, and the propaganda is the same old message. The aliens are here, and the reason they're telling this to people um, is because everyone is being prepped and groomed for a diabolical purpose, and this is going to culminate in something. So it's interesting, interesting to speculate about what it is, and we've we've already done that. So, well, you must be getting tired there. Have you fallen asleep yet, uh, Stephen?
3: No, but I should soon. I, I see. Yeah,
2: how come you're talking to me so yeah. long? Because you always say you never have any time to talk.
3: <laughs> well, I had some I had some time today because I I was on the road. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh. Well, I hope to get you on here again soon, and we'll talk about Bible prophecy and the New Exodus.
3: Yeah, that'd be great.
2: I think we might actually splice that onto the previous call, because what we did here was so completely, there was no continuity with what we talked about earlier. And we could just pick up, I mean, even if you do it like two months from now, we could pick right up where we left off. But yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully I'll do a, a show on basic, uh, well, proof text for the new Exodus, because I need to do that. Uh, and then really talk good. about the timing of the second coming, because I do believe in a literal second coming. And I guess I should go, because my phone is beeping.
3: <laughs> okay. So. Well, thanks, Dave. It's been great Chatting yeah, uh, with you. Okay. Enjoy the rest of your evening.
2: Yeah, take care.
3: Alright, yes sir. Bye.
2: Alright, bye. You still there, Johnny? Yeah. I gotta open the room up to close it. Yeah, I talked to him uh, about three hours uh earlier today. And uh not recorded. The first two hours were not recorded and then uh he arrived home after I talked to him for about an hour. He got distracted.
5: Yeah. it's kind of interesting. Did you said, see that thing I sent you about that 15-year-old kid who uh, discovered a planet, Dave?
2: <laughs> we should probably save that for the full-fledged show. Those are the now. Those are the kind of stories that I want. You to come up with, so I can comment on them. And you know, here's how you think about, think, here's how you uh, think straight about uh, stories about 15-year-olds discovering planets. And did you see the um, the, the previous story they had last week about um, you know some female? I think she was in her 30s who discovered these kind of like etheric tubes. They were reaching up to the heavens from Earth. I'm pretty sure you ran into that story.
5: i not sure. It doesn't sound that familiar.
2: Okay, but I actually saved the link and because uh, we could possibly talk about that. But uh, all those things are not what they appear to be. And you always have to realize that the Illuminati was all about these things, if they are indeed true. You know what I mean? If something actually is true, which is normally a massive assumption, these stories are, are circulated out there for the for the public to swallow up because they don't believe in a system of control. It's actually a method, uh, that they're constantly doing this to remind you you're not you do not live in a system of control. You do not live in a system of control. You you do not live in a system of control. That's- you yeah. do not, you not live in a system of control because a 15-year-old just discovered a uh, a planet that the experts didn't know about. Isn't it a wonderful system where wow. a 15-year-old can do something like that, Johnny? It's something to get excited about. It just shows you the potential of mankind. You know, with all this uh, universal uh, devolution, Johnny, we need stories like that to perk uh, us up a little bit because you can get kind of down, a little bit depressed, you know. So, um, you know, stories like this that are manufactured out of thin air, they kind of uh, lift your spirits a little bit, don't you think?
5: <clears throat> yeah, they definitely do. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, we should thank the uh, the grand uh, magicians for these things. Because the real world is a very scary place, and you can get depressed very quickly. So we need our Soma. You know what Soma is, right?
5: Come to locate you.
2: Uh, Well, Aldous Huxley, who was one of the conspirators as well, uh, he wrote a book called Brave New World where the entire society was on a drug called Soma.
5: Okay.
2: Now, there's a a movie out there um, which I can mildly recommend. It came out in 1998 called Brave New World and it has some sexuality in it because it was a sex-driven society but it's a TV movie. But I... I believe it was a sci-fi channel. Now, you know they they show some sexual stuff on there. But it was older. I'm not sure if they showed it, you know, like women's breasts. I'm just saying, you know, I try to be conservative around here. We don't want to be following the Illuminati around. And, I mean, look at Britney Spears, man. Excuse me. Miley Cyrus. You know what's funny? <laughs> I got this older podcast that I might release. I keep thinking about releasing it in... Uh, In Room 1. I released it in the older, Room 2. And it's me and Connie and Eric talking about uh, predictive programming that has to do with the king and the queen. But in this podcast, I had a mind blank. And uh, it was from 2013. And I was going, what's that girl that blah, blah, blah? And it was Miley Cyrus. You know what I mean? I couldn't remember her name. (laughs) Well, I would never forget her name now. And she was just... um, she had these nude photos in the magazine paper, and just today—that was yesterday's story. Today's story is this: that you know, they draw all this stuff out there. It's all according to agenda, and as she's saying uh, she's lambasting fundamentalist Christians, and they get—they show this picture, and she's got all these little tattoos, you know, little tiny tattoos, all over her, like the underside of her arm. Have you seen this kind mm-hmm. of? Her? And she's a serious, serious. <coughs> I believe that she has a double, at least one of them, because they they always do that. the standard procedure. Because they may they may need to take her in for programming, or may, she may become physically ill, or whatever. And the show has to go on. I mean, Katy Perry. Um, you know who Freeman Fly is?
5: Freeman, yeah.
2: Okay, he did a great show with his wife. Uh, people are talking about how they are the. Um, Conspiratorial power couple out there. It's interesting to compare some of his ideas with me. I'm yeah. not anything negative, but um, in fact, I actually said something positive about him recently. And he was talking about this hidden goddess, This is everywhere. See, so I used him as a reference point because he, yeah, he's all over that. That's good, Freeman. He's um. He's an amusing... Uh, I mean, his, his shows, Um, they're entertaining. Forget about. Dave, yeah. Go ahead.
5: You've heard about Trey Smith, right?
2: No.
1: Who's that? Never
5: heard about Trey Smith? Okay, he's this guy on YouTube. Um, he upload, He's uploaded a lot of videos about Noah's Flood and Enoch, and his latest video is about dinosaurs and how they're young. Okay, they're can not, you send they're me not... a link
2: on that? I've got a yeah. huge amount. If anybody's ever seen all the uh, the talk show shows that I follow, I may have the largest list of anybody. But I follow a, a huge amount of channels. I mean, there's too many of them because I just get lost. I go, I can't even find people. And they got a search engine there and I'm trying to remember who am I looking for. But send me a link on that and I'll add him. He sounds interesting. But go ahead with what you're saying.
5: Yeah, well, I don't know if he's an agent or not, but He's he's got a lot of info, like um, his Noah's Flood video, it's three hours long, and it goes through how how possible it was for the ark to have been built, and um, the history of dinosaurs being called dragons, and uh, how we've always lived side by side with them.
2: Well there's different types of dragons,
5: what does it mean by a dragon? It's like a a large beast, you know, that we've called throughout history that breathes fire and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's saying that um these ancient peoples, they even they're calling them dragons now, but they were really just dinosaurs, you know.
2: I don't recall anyone saying that, so I don't immediately reject things. Um, I mean, sometimes I do. but
5: Like a behemoth? Yeah. You
2: know,
5: these, these stories about dragons, where they we come from, you know?
2: the behemoth and the leviathan and Job.
5: Yeah. We actually
2: have, did you know that we have a podcast on dinosaurs? I
5: don't think so, no.
2: Yeah, well, you appear to be interested in that, so... hmm uh, I'm not sure. It's if in room. Uh, it might be in the older uh, show. I just want to tell people that um, we have a new room too. Uh, it's only on talk shoe. It's called uh, Out of Doctor Light Two A, and I'm trying to get it on iTunes. And they're not accepting it, and they're also not accepting uh, Java Ring's new podcast, which so far just features me, called uh, True Lies Reality Crash. You know, he's using that term that I throw around and Crash Your Reality. Yeah. Um, He can't get that on iTunes either. So his podcast is also on Spreaker. Not Speaker, but Spreaker. With an R, yeah. Uh, but you can find it on iTunes. The uh, audio is inferior. But um, we've got quite a few shows in. Uh, I call it secondary audio. But if you're um, a fan of this podcast, you definitely want to go to Talkshu and and do find it in the search engine. Out of Darkness into the Light 2A, and it's got a similar uh, icon. It's a black one instead of a blue one. Black and white, and I'll be moving this. Uh, I, I'm just uh, J- Johnny. Is it true or is it not true that Dave has a lot of things going at his end? I'm a very busy. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I'm fully occupied, aren't I? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people will say Dave wants to sit around and just twiddle his thumbs all day. What is he doing?
1: <laughs>
2: I've actually said on the show that I actually sit in front of a computer. The main thing I do is type all day. So what what is he typing? Because we don't we don't see all this. We're, Where does it go? Um, But that's what I primarily do. And I think about things. If you listen to me, you can tell that, well, Dave has been thinking. Because we have ideas and concepts that other people simply don't have. That's a fact. And uh, I arrived at those things through thinking, not through reading books or looking at YouTube videos. And I'm a big believer in reading books. And they do stimulate my mind. But a lot of things that I come up with, I could just actually be just um, combing my hair in the bathroom. It just kind of spontaneously comes because I'm thinking like there's a stream of thought. It's like a habit. you got to get it going. People don't have this going where you're thinking like all the time as much as you possibly can. See, that's the problem. I figured this out years ago. When you have to do mundane things,
1: Mm-hmm. which I generally
2: don't have to it disrupts that i'm not a good multitasker, so if I have to do this or that then that that, that thought stream is sh- is shut down the The longer it goes if you it, let's say that it starts let's it starts like when you wake up okay now it's actually going when you're asleep but let's just simplify it and so it starts when you wake up when you become conscious okay um there's kind of a snowball effect with that, because um, you know it starts off slow and it starts building. And if you can keep it going without disruptions, I have found that that's when the profound stuff comes. In other words, if you if you start thinking and you think for an hour, you know it's like 45 minutes or an hour, an hour and a half. That's when the really good stuff starts to happen. There's an exception though.
4: And the
2: exception is when you're laying in bed thinking. Now, see, most people they have to pop out of bed and go do stuff. I lay in bed and I think. And that's when I come up with my best ideas, the real Mm. stuff. And actually, it's all downhill from there. And um, I don't really get this stuff as much when I'm sitting in front of a computer screen. And I'm kind of curious about this. I do believe that the computer screen is a mind control device. Why wouldn't that be true? I mean, it's obviously... You know, it's a it's a replacement screen for the the TV. So obviously, they're going to do everything necessary to turn that into a mind control device. You know,
1: and uh-huh. unless
2: God says no. If God doesn't say no, then it, it will be a mind control device. So it's a frequency weapon. And uh, so, you know, I have. Um, Okay, we have that audio on YouTube about this guy called Organite Austin. Yeah, and uh, this is a pod. This is the worst podcast that we ever did, and I, I, I refused to even put it up. It was a total. I think we got hit by technology. It was a total crash burnout. And mm-hmm. I actually had a guy that was going to show up and talk about uh, Organite Austin, and he was just not prepared. He was, um, he was driving. And uh, I'm not a good multitasker, so um, I wanted to focus on him, and I didn't have anything to bring to the table. I had like a complete blank, and I think that the reason I had a complete blank is because I was getting hit by technology. And uh, I talked about that earlier today. I don't don't know whether I was a push and record button or not, I don't think I was. But I got on the Iron Show with Johnny, and we talked to this guy called, uh, well, he was a (coughs) rabbi. And uh, I'm just saying that we got warned before that happened, you know, to watch out and, uh, you know, ding, 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 warning, warning, warning. And uh, I'm just going, what, what? You know, I was supposed to be a guest on there. And this other guy swept in there and took the whole thing over and basically used a method called flooding the text. He just talked continually. And took the whole show over, and um, I was left in the dust until later. Eric and I kind of started interacting with him a little bit and asking some questions. And uh, anyway, that's a whole different subject. But um, we could feel the technology, and it kind of gives you like a blank mind, and you just kind of, duh, you know. Uh huh. And that was happening that night. And the reason I bring this up is because this is right around um, when they do these. Um, they start to amp things up in mid-April. It really starts in mid-April. It doesn't start on the 19th or 20th. Uh, you can feel it earlier. And they also do PSYOPs in mid-April, like around the 15th. They don't wait till the 19th necessarily. It starts a little earlier. They start, you know, prepping things, softening people up. They actually soften people up for the 19th and 20th, you know. I think the podcast was probably on the 18th, but like everybody was blank. You were blank, Java Ring was blank, I was blank, the other guy was blank. But anyway, we were talking on that show about Organite Austin. He's got a YouTube channel, and he was talking about, um, they call it Tesla technology. It's it's the purple plate technology. You've heard about this before, right?
5: Purple plate? Yeah. No.
2: Um, well, you can put, uh, in front of your computer, put a purple energy plate. Are you in front of your computer? Okay. Put purple energy plate on your computer. You can also put Tesla in there. But they have a website that... Uh, it sells this kind of stuff. It's sold on different websites. And it's credited with Tesla. It's what's called anodized aluminum. And I had it years ago. I bought it from one of these pyramid power companies. And uh, they said that you could charge it with the pyramid power. You would put it underneath the pyramid, and it would hold a charge. It's just a rectangular piece of aluminum. And it's anodized, And it, it, theirs had a like a gold uh, surface to it. And uh, this surface has, the, for some reason, they put purple on there. It probably uh, affects the energy to some degree because color has an effect. Color is a frequency, Johnny. You know that? I mean, Christians are so far out of the mix. Do you understand that it's not just a spectrum of light? It's a frequency. Now, why is that true? You know... Saying that everything is frequency is really one of the most profound things because it explains a lot of things. So it would explain this, that if everything is frequency, then it would be true that color is a frequency as well. So the color purple is it's a frequency. So if you have a purple energy plate, it's going to have, at least you could theorize it has the, the properties of you know, the color purple to some degree. Now, the question is whether it's significant. Is that important? It's
5: one for, for 8 bucks.
2: Yeah, but they have little um, medallions. These are, um, actually, remember, I recommend that people get these. This is what you want to buy for your child because everybody needs to have a protective device on their body 24-7. Yeah, I've already
5: away. got my Oregon pendant.
2: Yeah, an Oregon pendant would be good. Uh, but these are real cheap. Um, they have what's called uh, Purple Energy Angels. It's just a little thing. It's kind of like a stylized shape of an angel. Um, or you can just get a Purple Energy disc. It's just a, a circular disc. It has a little hole in it. You put a black string around it, and you hang it around your neck. And you wear that for the rest of your life, unless you want to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, this is cheap, you know. Yeah. And uh, the cheapest way is to make your own organite medallion. That's the cheapest way, right?
5: Yeah, for me.
2: Uh. It, yeah, because that will do the same thing. Are there any YouTube mm-hmm. videos that talk about um, making your an organite? I mean, they probably are. Yeah, organite uh, medallion. I've never seen any.
5: Probably. I've
2: never seen you should any. be
5: coming in tomorrow.
2: Okay, good. What would you send me?
5: Um, a magnetized organ pendant. It has magnetic copper wire, so you're going to be the first test subject, technically.
2: Hmm. Is this a mind-control device?
5: No. I don't know um, the effects of it, though, because it's magnetic copper wire. So you know how magnets are it's supposed to be good for electronics, right?
2: and the reason I ask that is because uh, as a deep conspiracist, I had to be concerned that uh, Sherry Schreiner has hypnotized you, and you're actually a deep agent, and she wants to place, uh, hang an object around my neck to put me under a state of um, mind control so she can steal the, um, the grand truth of the artificial night sky and get all the credit for herself.
5: I don't think she'd do that.
2: Oh, okay. Well, that was just conspiracy humor anyway. Anyway, he's uh he has a video on there and the video is basically about him combining uh the purple energy plate with a piece of argon.
5: Oh and then yeah, and how idea. how much it
2: amplifies it. It's mm-hmm. it's interesting because I was actually doing it, I don't know intuitively or what, but underneath my uh my com- c- computer screen, I have a uh purple energy plate. And then a piece of orgone on top on top of it, and I thought it was kind of cool that he had actually proven that it that amplifies the orgone. Well, I think they work in conjunction; they amplify each other or something. I don't know, you know. Uh huh. I thought it was pretty cool. So that's what I have, and then I have a crystal on top of it. So that's why you don't want to listen to this podcast anymore, because Dave has a crystal under his computer screen.
5: Dave, don't you know the crystals are satanic?
2: Well, that proves I'm a false prophet. Now, the reason that I'm telling you this is because I have a deep, embedded self hatred of myself. (laughs) And um, I keep sabotaging uh, myself, I, I can never prosper financially. So, because I have this self hatred, I say crazy things on the podcast to prevent people from assisting me financially because I despise myself so greatly. Now, what do you think about that conspiracy theory? Do you think that might have some legitimacy? Oh, yeah. Do you think it's more uh, viable than the uh, Sherry Schreiner conspiracy theory or do you think it's less legitimate?
5: I think it's less legitimate.
2: Do you think it's a form of humor? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. Just, it, it was, but it's an obscure form of humor, so a lot of people may, um, <clears throat> may question whether I'm listening um, more and more to the mechanical sounding voices in my head, because I did a podcast today with, um, let me repeat that, the mechanical sounding voices in my head. Did you know that Dave has mechanical sounding voices in his head? Well actually I don't but I just said that cuz it sounds funny. So Uh-huh. We need a laugh track. We don't have a laugh track. We have a laugh. Yeah, that
5: would that would be hilarious. Put that I'm on gonna, your uh, your, your, pup- that.
2: your puppet video. Uh, yeah. Johnny Johnny has a uh a video of me and he has some puppets or a puppet and um are you are you mocking me on there, Johnny? Or
5: what? No. But but that laugh track that would be hilarious.
2: So this is also—is it true that this is also an obscure form of conspiracy humor?
5: Yeah.
2: Once you promote that video <laughs> on the podcast, tell people where they can uh, find it. Okay. But we have some Davisms on there, which is kind of interesting because Johnny and have this—we we have this connection where we come up with ideas at the same time, and we're theorizing it has something to do with the neurophone. Because I've I've said on the show before that the well the neurophone is actually supposed to enable you to um, uh, have telepathic communication because I've experienced it myself when I
5: use to it to an extent.
2: Yeah. Now, we have some examples of this. We won't go over it. I think we've mentioned it before. Uh, but you, I came up with the word uh, davism, and then you mentioned that a couple days later, I think, maybe the next day. And I was just going, hmm. Now, there's a possibility that you're a deep agent and you're being used to send out signals because it's time to actually out yourself. They never had a long-term agenda, Johnny, to use you. Um... They, they wanted to uh, mock me in the short term, but then mock me further by, because Dave likes to think that he can never be fooled by the Illuminati. So they wanted to uh, to let me know that we fooled you, Dave. Johnny was a deep agent. So they don't really have any um, time frame to reveal this. They wanted to have like a natural process, which is unusual because they usually don't do this kind of thing. So they programmed you. You know nothing about this because you've got a deep embedded uh, altar, remember? Uh Uh-huh. Remember when we talked about that late at night? And so they programmed you to send out these signals. Dave, Johnny is a deep agent. How many clues do we have to give you? You see that? So they keep doing this kind of thing. And because I'm kind of dense and I have an emotional attachment to you, um, I'm in denial, and I don't want to face the awful truth. What do you think about that conspiracy theory, Johnny?
5: I can't believe you're admitting it.
2: Well, um, I'm going to actually admit that I'm a deep agent, and you can basically take everything I said, turn it on its head, and because I'm a Satanist too, the exact reverse is true. What do you think about that conspiracy
5: That one, that one, that one makes a lot more sense.
2: It's not as funny because uh, did you notice the word satanist is never funny. (laughs) If you're going to make a conspiracy humor joke, don't ever use the word satanist because it's never going to be funny. So if you want to have a stand-up comedy act, I highly recommend never say the word satanist because nobody thinks it's funny. All you see is a bunch of big frown.
5: Every joke will fail. Until you put a laugh track on it.
2: <laughs> but you notice that as soon as I said the word Satanist, you know, Dave, that's not funny.
5: That's not uh-huh.
2: Funny. Well, this is the extreme reality show, we, so we have extreme comedy that nobody thinks is funny, even Dave. So. Anyway, we must have run out of ideas if we're resorting to all this. And I have a beeping phone. Yeah. Oh, we could say more about. Uh, <clears throat> I actually had somebody who said that the, the beeping phone didn't bother them that much. They must be a big, huge <laughs> fan of our show.
5: It doesn't bother me.
2: You've listened to it. Yeah. Isn't it awfully loud?
5: In some shows, yeah.
2: It it's not. It has different uh, levels.
5: Yeah, right now it's not that loud.
2: Hmm. Because that older uh, Sky Centrism podcast, it it was going through the entire thing. And uh, I listened to it, and I didn't realize it was that loud. And I was just going, oh, my God, this is horrible. So, I don't know. So, yeah, we were talking about Britney Spears. And uh, who was this other person? Excuse
5: me. Miley Cyrus.
2: Yeah, I keep saying Britney Spears. Miley Cyrus. um, Well, yeah, she came out and said that... um, she talked about the the uh, no Ark was a fairy tale.
3: and here's the thing, he
2: you know, deep conspiracists How do you know that she said this? Well, Dave. Yeah, uh,
5: I was looking for some audio
2: in paper magazine. Yeah. Hey, do you understand that Cosmopolitan magazine is totally controlled by Illuminati? Yeah. Okay. I mean, would you have a problem uh with that? Now, how do you know that paper magazine... I never even heard of paper magazine. How do you know that isn't controlled? Look at, um, uh Abraham Lincoln was um, just like the rest of our presidents. And uh, he was from the uh, European monarch bloodline. Supposedly a Rothschild. He was a bastard son. There was a lot of fakery involved with his father. But supposedly... He came out with the statement that in his day, all of the newspapers were controlled by the Jesuits. Mm. Supposedly, he made this statement. I'd be skeptical. This is very interesting, whether it's false or true. Why would that even be circulated out there? But yes, I mean, the, the, the newspapers were all controlled a long time ago. Well, guess what, folks? So were the magazines. Does that make sense to you, Johnny? Yeah. You know, there was a time when magazines were very, very important. They're not nearly as important as they are now. They were, they were the thing in the '50s, '60s, and '70s. You know, even before the internet. You know, and so were newsletters. A New- newsletter yeah. huge. I mean, if you were uh, a conspiracy theorist, uh, you really needed those newsletters before the internet, because that's basically all you had. And you know, and actually, um, the alternative radio was on. Uh, I can't think right now. Uh, What do they call it? Uh, Shortwave? Shortwave. That was huge. I wonder how shortwave is doing now, because you don't hear about it much. Yeah. It's kind of old school now. At any time, that could become more important, like overnight. Okay, so anyway, I mean, they control the magazines. So as a deep conspiracist, I would just assume that they control paper magazines. So she's on there saying that, you know, she's supposed to be a good little Christian girl a long time ago in a parallel reality, and we we knew about that before it even started, what was going on with that. That's why I keep saying Britney Spears, because I call that the Britney Spears principle. I did the same thing with Katy Perry. She started off as a good little Christian girl. Of course, her parents are really Satanists, okay? But my, my Christian career didn't work, so I had to, you know, make some money, and sell out. No, that was all designed to uh, make it look as if you were a Christian, and to get Christian girls to say, "Well, she was a Christian. She's a Christian," and because they're looking for an excuse to listen to the music, they'll, they'll, they'll grab it, hold of anything. You know, I mean, there's people out there that want to believe that Bill Clinton is a good guy because he quoted more scripture. And actually walked around with a Bible. He quoted more scripture, supposedly, than any 20th century president. And, uh, you know, it's just like Madonna carrying around a uh, a bottle of highly toxic, uh, it may be expensive, but it's highly toxic, uh, bottled water. And you're supposed to follow after her and drink a lot of bottled water and maybe the same brand that she's drinking. I'm saying she doesn't even drink that stuff. She's not that stupid. I've said this before. And... Uh, But, um, you know, did she really make that statement? Um, I don't have a problem saying that she did, but she doesn't need to. Stop and think about this, Johnny. These interviews could be – I've never heard anybody say this. They're a a form of propaganda, or they can be. They could be completely 100% manufactured. Uh In other words, you know, in the old days, um, they'd call you up on the phone, and now they actually do it on Skype. But just like a lot of these uh, scientific studies, they don't even bother to- you know to have them, and um they just manufacture everything and um I just want to say i'll say it again that um if you're taking a drug, you don't know what's in that drug and um You have no way of knowing. They will not even give you access to the voting machines. Now, if they're not going to give you access to the voting machines, you cannot trust people that manufacture pills that you take, and that's a sign that you trust the system. I'm telling you this for a reason, because there could be a diabolical plan out there which makes perfect sense to me. How about a death pill? And that's not going to kill you, it could, kill the weaker people but we talk about slow kill and this would be um, a death pill because it accelerates slow kill it could kill off a lot of people like uh, in six months or maybe two or three years and these pills appear on the market uh, six months before some kind of economic collapse And when the system goes down there's no police on the local streets Everything is in disarray, and nobody is thinking about what's in this pill or what's in this, you know, what's the latest ingredients in a McDonald's hamburger.
5: Uh-huh.
2: Lose access to the Internet. They won't have this kind of information anymore. And there will, their concerns will be elsewhere. Now, stop and think about this because this is the way Lumiati works. You don't know what is in food. We never have known. And I always talk about how the Illuminati knows these things, but we don't. I could hypothesize that they don't know either. In other words, they don't know everything. I've talked about how um, we cannot measure the complexity of anything. Nothing. Because it could have unknown complexity. There could be worlds behind worlds and those kind of things. And so, um, how does the Illuminati know for certain what is in food? I, I say this for a reason. I've said it before. This is why you want to eat raw food and not focus on vitamins. When you take uh-huh. a vitamin, you're trying to extract the things that we know about and put it in a pill. It could be good. It could be bad depending on whether the vitamin works or not, because a lot of them don't work. Channing and I were talking about that uh, for about 45 minutes before I talked to Stefan tonight. He actually called me up. I just got out of bed. Okay, so we don't know what's in food, and we never have. We know some things. Do you understand, Johnny, that we don't actually know what's in food? Only God knows. And this
1: mm-hmm.
2: When you eat raw food, you will notice that something mysterious happens. I've noticed this myself. So I recommend it on my own podcast because people don't like eating raw food. Like, you know, buy some broccoli and dip
5: it in something.
2: Yeah, cauliflower. Dip it in something. It's important to get different colors, by the way. Dip it in something that tastes good. Yeah, it's kind of like cheating. You know, raw foodists will, like, freak out, go, you're rude and everything. Hey, is it true that you're eating raw food? Yes. So don't freak out raw foodists. We're trying to get people to eat raw food because there are secret things in, uh, in raw food that get completely ruined when you cook them. Uh, raw foodists say that when you cook food, it becomes a poison. And that's what they say it over and over again. They're kind of fanatical about it. But as a general rule, I would I would agree with that. I just wouldn't use that kind of terminology. Um, but anyway...
5: But yeah, what about raw meat?
2: Same thing is true with raw meat, by the way. Because I say all kinds of nasty things about meat. But yeah, that's actually true about meat as well. Okay? And so anyway, when you look at the exact opposite of that, something that comes from basically the devil... Do you know your food comes from the devil? <laughs> say, that that food? Dave calls that food anti-food, and that food's from the Illuminati. Well, who who's at the head of the Illuminati, Johnny, at the very top? The devil. And that's conspiracy humor, too, because um, there are some people who listen to our show who have a secular mindset, and for them, that would be comedy. But they when you ever say the word devil Supposed to, you're supposed to throw your head back and laugh. Ha <laughs> Yeah. He said the devil is running the show. <laughs> I and mean, it actually does sound funny. But uh, <clears throat> anti food comes from the devil. Okay? So um, that's why I call it anti food because it's the exact opposite. And, and now, an herb, you asked me a question about an herbs, and they're a form of concentrated food. You see that? So, guess what a, um, well, if you take, like, Valium, that's a synthetic, deformed, twisted perversion of Valerian root, which God made. And it's a form of witchcraft, which means to twist or bend. Okay? That's why we call it anti-food. And actually, there's good drugs and bad drugs. Did you know that there's natural drugs? Uh, some herbs are drugs. Yeah, marijuana is a natural drug. I said natural. Now there mm-hmm. you go. See, because you've got some friends that want to um, run over to uh, Denver, Denver this summer, and and you think that the reason they want to do this because marijuana is legal over there.
5: Yeah, that's the main reason.
2: Okay, so on this podcast, I talk about food and. Not food. If it's anti-food, it's not food. That is not marijuana. That's Frankenweed, and that's not marijuana. Uh-huh. That's, see, this is the same thing with humans. See, when you start to alter the DNA of a human being, at some point, he cannot be always human. At some point, you cross the line, but you know we're human. Now, the problem is, who's the authority that's going to establish this? But when it gets so out of so out of control, it becomes obvious that this person is something other than fully human. Because the DNA is being radically altered. That's the essence of a human being, you see. So, um, this marijuana is not marijuana. It's fake. And that's the reason why it's being sold. Yeah. Conspiracy. Conspiracy. And what people are doing is that they're they're stumbling over themselves and foaming at the mouth, whoa, everybody's all excited. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. They, they sigh off to you again, you see. If the government is approving of uh, marijuana, there's got to be something haywire somewhere. Can you think for yourself at all? You know what I mean? Now, um, I don't know what kind of uh, alternative thinking you expose yourself to, but do you run into any kind of um, you know pro pop people that are really exposing this, you know, from a conspiratorial viewpoint? No, this is not a good thing. They all seem to buy into it and think it's wonderful.
5: No, because I tell them about it, and uh, they don't really care. They just want to get high. Okay.
2: Well, I would say that you know valerian is a drug and uh you know they make aspirin out of white willow bark, and that would classify as a natural drug, so yeah, there's good drugs and bad drugs a lot Did of you know eight says that all you, drugs are bad, that's not true. go ahead
5: if you take nutmeg, you'll kind of trip out
2: well you can uh I've said how you can smoke uh
5: Green tea?
2: uh you can smoke uh lettuce um. Opium—that's what they call it. It's just an ex- extract of lettuce.
1: Huh. I
2: actually believe that this is one of the reasons why they promote lettuce so much. In because, let's back up a little bit, okay? Uh, back in Hate Ashbury, where they had the big psyops running because you know the hippie movement was manufactured. And I was talking to Stefan earlier, and he he was talking about the, how the Jesus movement was manufactured. And we were talking about this one specific organization, which is a Christian organization that came out of that movement, employs a lot of Christians. And uh, you're going to have some huge red uh, signals going off about that organization once you look at its roots. But they were doing all kinds of psyops back in the 60s. And it's interesting that they used to have, the believe it or not, they actually had organic restaurants. Uh, you know, in San Francisco, Haight Ashbury, way back then. And you know who was running these organic uh restaurants, Johnny?
5: Well, they had CIA
2: connections that have been exposed, and guess what? They were Satanists.
5: Okay, yeah.
2: Um, their fathers a lot of times, if they were younger, they weren't necessarily always younger. But their fathers typically had some kind of military connections over and over again. You can um, go to YouTube. Go, I just know they're going to have something there. So go to iTunes, put in the search, and put Laurel Canyon, L A R L A U R E L Canyon. Yeah. And you'll run into at least a few interesting podcasts. The unbelievable psychological operations that were going on there. I mean, it even has to do with, like, the Manson family. You know, Sharon Tate murders, Frank Zappa. It goes, you know, David Crosby. It goes on and on and on. And um, there's no way this could happen by random chance. I mean, they were, um, these families are gigantic. I mean,
5: even, even Charles Manson was affiliated with the music industry.
2: Well, yes, he actually wrote a song for the Beach Boys. It's not well known. Yeah, I know. I want to reverse um, it. it, It's called Never Learn Not to Love. I believe it's...
3: Cease to Exist.
2: Well, originally it was called Cease... He called it Cease to Exist. They changed it. He was a very close friend, as far as we know, of Dennis Wilson, who was the only beach boy who actually surfed. And he he was a drummer... And uh, he was not the youngest, by the way. But uh, Carl uh, Wilson, the guitarist, was the the younger. Brian was the genius. And Brian blew his brains out and uh, isolated himself. Paul McCartney, this would be Fall, not the original Paul McCartney. Uh
4: Uh But he
2: said that the greatest album of all time was, was Pet Sounds, put out in 1966. And at that time they were actually competing. This is a story, okay? Now how much relevance it has, I don't know. But it's a backstory because most people have never heard it before. A lot of people have. But um but the Beatles and, and the uh Beach Boys were actually competing supposedly. And we know that the Beatles were largely manufactured. Uh the Beach Boys were significantly less manufactured. They use uh, session musicians, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, You know, I could talk about music for the next hour.
5: Uh, um, What should
2: I not talk about? But anyway, um, he was less controlled. His father abused him and may have been a low-level handler. He actually hit Brian and knocked his, his hearing out. Uh, he was only able to hear in one ear. He was physically abused by his own father. And his father was um, was trying to control everything early, and eventually Brian fired his father. Because uh, he was basically running the show. Because they were just young kids when they started out. But anyway, they were supposedly competing. And um, there are people out there that say that Pet Sounds in 1966 is the best album Ever. And that's what Paul McCartney says. And then um, supposedly the Beatles put out Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band as a response. Uh, and Brian Wilson got depressed and isolated himself because he didn't think that he could surpass that. And so yes. he basically crumbled and uh, disappeared into his bedroom and didn't come out. And uh, I was actually going to reference that because um, getting Dave on a podcast is kind of like Brian Wilson, okay? Because um, I've got all this intellectual activity. I'm still a researcher, see, so I'm trying to um, – I'm not used to this. I'm trying to go back and forth between, you know, producing something and being a researcher because I isolate myself. Because when you, when you think a lot, you have to be alone. You have to be quiet. People don't understand this. You can't have distractions, Okay. So I've lived this lifestyle for a long time, and now I'm starting to give out little things to people. We got this little podcast going here, and uh, but anyway, after Brian Wilson isolated himself, uh, they couldn't get him to come out of his room. Well, the guy is a genius. I mean, he could he could create songs just a drop of a hat, but he didn't have any inspiration. You know what I mean? Now you have seen recently. How I have shown up, and we had, like, nothing to bring to the table. I go, what are we going to talk about, right?
1: You've mm-hmm. seen the
2: last few nights. And I'm going, what's going to happen here? I've shown up on your show with, like, nothing. And then, like, two and a half hours go by, and it's just a stream of information. It's, like, overwhelming. You're just going,
1: whoa.
2: And I'm, like, going, whoa, where did all this come from? You know what I mean? Really, all you need is some kind of a trigger. You don't really need talking points. Unless it's a bad night, the only bad night I've ever had was that night I mentioned earlier. So anyway, here's a funny story: is um, Dennis Wilson? He would go and buy hamburgers for uh, Brian Wilson, and he would try. To <laughs> he would try to get get him out of his room and come down in front of the piano and and, and maybe create a song. At least give him a, uh, some something. Uh, because he wasn't contributing to the writing anymore. And uh, the Beach Boys started going down the tubes, at least in the public eye. And he would tempt him with hamburgers.
1: Hmm. And Brian
2: Wilson would actually come down uh, to get the hamburgers and play in front of the piano for a little bit, and he'd go back up to his bedroom and isolate.
5: <laughs> wow. See any
2: kind of correlation there at all?
5: you got to bait him, Yeah.
2: Yeah. Let's, let's see if we can talk Dave in to get on Skype tonight. He's now, Dave, have little... you heard? And you know, I always, of... I always show, I'm not like Brian Wilson. I always show, uh, well, I, I have turned you down a few times on your show. That's true. I have turned you down. I forgot about that. Dave? Yeah.
5: Have you heard that Patrick Flanagan, um, he recorded a Beach Boys album using laser uh, microphones?
2: I have not heard that.
5: That's in that book you had me buy. It it didn't name which album, but it was written that Patrick Flanagan had a single Beach Boys album recorded using his own uh, invention of the laser microphone. Hmm. I wonder which one it is. Beach
4: Boys. That's kind of interesting. Hmm. I'm
2: going to reboot my computer because sometimes I have a... Problems uh, getting the room to shut down. My computer is going down the tubes. Yeah. Everybody knows that it crashes over and over, and it crashes during your show. It. I'm getting a tradition now where I'm trying to start the show, and my computer will crash, and that's why I'm like a three, four minutes behind. And I'm actually trying to get there early, and it will crash like. Twice. And it's weird how it happens at the start of
0: the show. Why doesn't it happen later?
2: So, anyway, this has been somewhat amusing. Do you think this re- audio should go in room one or room two?
5: Well, the beginning is definitely room one, I think.
2: Yeah. I could actually split it in two. Yeah. It would be room one. Yeah, I think this is room one audio. It's just got this beeping phone. We got. We're doing so many podcasts that we don't really have time to splice them much anymore. So I'm put. I'm just putting some of these longer shows up there in room one. A few
5: of them, you know. I'm glad I found out about this room because there's a lot of audio that I want to listen to now.
2: Oh, you're talking about the madcap laughs. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
2: Yeah, we got these secret rooms. Um, where we have a lot of hidden audio that's supposed to go up, at least some of it, uh, you know, in room one or room two. But uh, I'm I'm not uh, as picky as I used to be about the audio uh, editing. And right now, um, as long as I'm talking over... I'm the primary speaker, so as long as I talk over uh, Skype or... um, You know, a landline, or I don't have a landline here, but uh, a regular phone. My audio sounds good enough. I I drew the line um, with the um, uh, talking over cell phone because it just sounded horrible. And so I actually said to uh, uh, Stephanie earlier that there was a period there in 2013 I I refused to put up any audio, because it was all, I didn't like the sound of it, and I didn't have anybody uh, editing it for it, you know, to enhance enhance the sound quality, and I just said, screw it, I'm not going to put anything up, so I didn't, for like five, six months, or something like that, I don't know, that's one reason why we got behind right there. But uh, I'm not so much concerned about that. Now, I could just put that audio in uh, room two, and uh, the audio quality there is, is sometimes it's subpar. You know? And uh, James has traditionally helped us with that. <clears throat> he wasn't helping me back then, but uh, his he just had a, a little baby here. So I haven't asked him to help me, but uh, I think I'll message him, see how he's doing. He's got a he's got a room of his own, and I I send podcasts to him, then he edits them. And I've got a, I've got like three of them sitting there, but I haven't said anything to him about them. You know, so it's like room two stuff. Well, anything else, Johnny?
5: Um, not really. Michael uh, was well, that was this you were
2: telling me about earlier? Um, did you say everything about that with the dinosaurs and that kind of
5: thing? That was Trey Smith.
2: That's right. Did you send me a link on Facebook?
5: Think so. Okay. And remember. Uh, I just want to say
2: real quick that I did a show with you, and um, it turned out differently because we just ran out of time. We were going to talk about Crow Seven Seven Seven. He has a YouTube channel. Yeah. I think you you put the link in there, but you withdrew it because we never talked about him, right?
5: Yeah, we never did.
2: But well, we will talk be talking about him and uh I'm gonna go easy on him but uh just have everyone else understand him. He's using technology to see a lot of anomalies in the night sky. And uh I'm the only person out there that is um illuminating people to the fact that you can't prove anything in the night sky, whether you're using technology or whether you're using, you know, your naked eye. You can't prove that there's a moon if you're gazing at the moon. You can't prove anything on the moon. I'm talking about absolute proof now. And uh, people were seeing things on the moon, you know, moon anomalies. You may have heard of these things like, you know, 150, 200 years ago. You ever heard about this kind of thing?
1: Uh-huh.
2: And so this is supposed to prove certain things, and uh, it doesn't prove anything. Because unless you can infallibly prove, that there was not, um, you know, an artificial projection up there 200 years ago. I mean, I don't believe they just developed this technology recently. I believe they've had it for thousands of years, Johnny. But it doesn't matter if they did or they didn't. Can you prove that there is not a um, technological priesthood that has this capability? of 500 years ago. Can you disprove that? No. Well, if you can't disprove that, you've got a, a, a you've got a huge burden of trying to prove anything. Because if you can't disprove that, then you can't disprove that they can manufacture anything that you're looking at. You see that, Johnny? Uh huh. So Crow seven seven seven, I'm not trying to point him down. He's finding these interesting things like these lunar wave anomalies. But see, for me, that's just like you know the uh, you know the the monuments on Mars and uh, the pyramids and all this stuff. It, initially, it looks intriguing, but it's all comp- uh, it's all digital data, which can be easily manipulated. I mean, NASA has admitted that they don't have any live footage of the earth. And um that when they do show it it's 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 digital. So it see it goes back to the same old thing. It's a trust issue. And they actually know that most people trust them. They don't have all these suspicions like we do, you know. So they don't even bother to put on a good show and we know that because they haven't even bothered to create a fake Moon Expedition? In how long now? The 1970s, right? They haven't even bothered to put on a good show. They don't even care. Now that's a mockery right there of the American public. And the American public is munching their popcorn, and they're uh, not really paying attention. Why hasn't NASA gone back to the moon? Remember I was talking about the the Jetson uh, Syndrome, Johnny? Yeah. How they uh they promised us all this uh technological advancement, well that's a good example right there. Uh of that it's going right down the tubes. Because if that was legitimate, then we should be um landing on Mars and uh doing all these wonderful things, and of course there's people out there that believe that we have landed on Mars. So one of the things I like about Crow seven seven seven, he's you know he's talking about the potential impossibility that man can actually uh, explore space, at least with the technology that NASA has, because it may be too threatening for him as a biological being. He can't survive. Now, I don't know about these things for sure. I've thought about them for quite some time. I haven't concentrated on them too much. And he's actually saying the same thing. He says he's not sure. He's not sure if man can space travel. You know what I mean? So I like that. You know, And he's also getting people to question things and, uh, and look around. But uh, as far as I know, I'm the only person that is um, telling us the truth about you can't prove anything or know anything for certain. Because you can't uh, measure the power of beings that uh, you have insufficient knowledge about and what they can do and what they can't do, you can't even prove or disprove their existence. We simply are severely lacking in knowledge. But uh, I didn't think along these lines for a long time, too, because it's a pretty radical thought. But once you kind of lay down the table, you can see unless you have some kind of emotional impediment, this is true. We never could do these things. We just thought we could, you see?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, my uh, primary uh, reason to believe in a moon, I, do, I believe it's a fake moon, but I believe it's a genuine moon, is based on an ancient text, and I already said that you can't prove anything absolutely with an ancient text that passed through a medieval system of control where we lost control of the text. And uh, that's not a good situation. So um, I believe it was sufficiently protected by God, but I can't, can't prove anything of the existence of any kind of celestial object with the Bible. And the Bible does not actually talk about the existence of a moon during this particular period of time. Ezekiel 34 talks about this period between the first century and the restoration of Israel. So it's a very important chapter, Ezekiel 34. It doesn't mention the moon. Uh, But the Bible does talk about the moon in the future, and that it will exist for a long time as long as as the uh, messianic prince rules. It talks about him in uh, Psalm 89. It talks about the moon in Psalm 72, which also talks about his rule. Then the age will come to an end, and there will be a similar period in my belief system that's compatible with the Golden Age, which we talk about. Is, um, they have universal traditions around the world outside of Western culture. Here they only address them in like the New Age movement, stuff like that. The Golden Age was a pre-Adamic era. This has nothing to do with the so-called gap theory, that you'll find like in the Scofield reference Bible or something like that. But it's older traditions that mankind still retains in that pre-Adamic era, which was superior to what we call the Genesis creation. Uh, there was no sun and moon. They had some kind of superior light that I believe was streaming out from heaven. And we talked about before how this middle earth that we live on is tilted. And that's why we have seasons and uh, inferior light uh-huh. Like we have we have clouds because I don't believe in uh, they had clouds in the golden age and I don't believe that uh, I don't believe that there was clouds before um, Adam fell. And uh, I do want to just point this out. I've said it before, but um, when you know when you practice sun gazing, um, notice that when you look t- uh, towards the east in the morning, that it's always superior. To when the uh, sun goes down at night, there's always less cloud cover. Now, I've never heard anybody talk about this. Now, in this cosmology that we're talking about here, you're actually looking at Eden. The sun rises in Eden, and you'll notice that the the west is inferior. You'll see this over and over and over again. Consistent pattern. And why is that true? So, anybody that's practicing sun gazing, pay attention to that. The western region is inferior. fascinating. My computer just crashed. Oh, wow. Um, I was going to say something, too, about uh, cosmology that we talked about earlier when I was talking about with Stephen. Um... Anyway, until these guys start talking about a cosmic sea, I mean, just talk about it. Talk about, okay, I don't believe in a cosmic sea. You see that, Johnny? Uh Nobody's talking about it. And, okay, here's what I wanted to mention. They're trying to develop cosmologies on the assumption that what we call Middle Earth extends okay mark sargent he has a um he has a cosmological model where it's it it's an enclosed cosmos closed cosmology and this is the um this is the ancient model I'm surprised that he um believed this because most of the time when they present these earth theories they don't have an enclosed model. This is where, the you know, the there's a dome above the Earth, and it reaches down uh, and comes into contact with the Earth. Everything is enclosed. You ever seen that Enochian um, cosmology on, like, Google Images?
5: No. Nope.
2: Okay, where everything is enclosed. Um, I've talked about that in a previous podcast. That's kind of cool to just look at that.
5: you know about the Keys of Enoch?
2: Uh, that's uh, propaganda there. That's something completely different. Okay. There's a, there's a Enoch 1 and 2 and 3. I probably shouldn't talk about that because I'll just digress. But the keys of Enoch, that's a modern, um, supposedly esoteric work. And uh, I believe it's, it's propaganda. I've heard the guy interviewed, uh, <clears throat> he, he may be, What's interesting about me is because I'm a deep conspiracist, I can always theorize that people have embedded altars. So I can kinda you know, give him a hand, a backhanded compliment and go, Well, maybe he's sincere. When he wrote that, it wasn't intentional and he just has embedded altar. So I'm that way I can get out of saying, Well, he's a he's a diabolical agent. <laughs> I don't know. So maybe he's a good guy and he's trying real hard, you know. I know enough about the text that I would just classify it as propaganda. It has nothing to do with the ancient text whatsoever. But anyway, um you see, we have a legitimate Middle Earth. That's what we're living on. And that's what the, the focus of discussion is all about. Because that's where we live. But Middle Earth, in my model, which is also the ancient model, is at the center of this cosmic sea. Why we call it Middle Earth, and, and uh, at the outskirts of Oceana, so I'm just using the Greek term. You have these uh, superior Western and Eastern lands, and this is why I've said before that the um, you know the Israelites would um, would pray towards the east because they had this concept because they had a superior cosmology. And scholars who haven't learned how to think straight about this subject have speculated or assumed that they're praying towards Jerusalem. You see that? But this wouldn't huh? be true if they were in the opposite direction. It's only <laughs> it's only true if they're in the right direction. You see? Because they're always praying towards the east. And uh, in other words if they were east of Jerusalem They would be turning towards the west if they actually thought that it all had to do with Jerusalem. Do you understand that? What if you're on the wrong side of Jerusalem? You're on the eastern side, so you'd be turning... If you're praying towards Jerusalem because it's sacred, then you'd be praying towards the west. You see that?
5: Oh, yeah, you did mention that.
2: But they always pray towards the east. And the reason they always pray towards the east... Now, these are traditions, there are traditions that um, not everything is in the Bible. This is one of the relatively trustworthy traditions that scholars acknowledge. It's not in the Bible, but it's, you know, an oral tradition or practice or folk belief or whatever the heck. Uh, it's not just practiced, by the way, by uh, Jews or whatever. But yeah, I mean... Uh, In in, uh, ancient Judaism, they believed that there was a superior land. And uh, the Greeks talked about this. They called the Elysian Fields. So that wasn't some kind of a heaven above or something below, like Abraham's bosom. It was out there in the beyond. Just like um, King Arthur's Avalon. We haven't talked about this too much, but they have these paradisical isles. A number of different names. And uh, they're in the far west, and there's, uh, there's an inferior paradisical region in the far west beyond uh, the outskirts of Oceanus. And um, the uh, great uh, 20th century alchemist, uh, Fulcanelli, who was a very mysterious figure, he wrote a book called "The um, The Mystery of the Cathedrals, and he actually reveals in there a lot of things that uh, had previously been esoteric, and one of them is is that um, I think he revealed this. I'm going to mention another thing that the um, we've been talking about this um, this hidden goddess, and the reason she's hidden is because she's sacred to them. They don't reveal it to the commoner except in esoteric form. She's hidden over and over and over again, and and her symbolism is all around us, but they never come out. Johnny, have they ever come out and said, um, there's a goddess who sits above all or she's the consort of the Dark Lord or anything like that, you know what I mean? Now, you can't get away with things like that in a movie because, well, that's just a movie. That was just the X-Files, you know what I mean? But there's no authoritative voice that's going to announce this. I mean, so it's always done in a covert fashion. Well, anyway, I believe that he came up with this, but uh, if he didn't, it's true anyway. Because you're talking about, uh, it's basically mathematics because you're talking about geometric forms as to with geometry and what's called sacred geometry. But these medieval cathedrals... They actually um, honor this goddess, and they um, have to do with the the female uh, genitalia again, and and the womb. But what I want to point out is something that he definitely did mention: is that they, they're esoterically they're oriented towards the west, because with the Illuminati and their um, esoteric philosophy, they don't acknowledge the sacred east; they they acknowledge the sacred west and this is a true location of Atlantis, if you, com- if you do two things, if you combine the Greek cosmology with what Plato said about Atlantis, Atlantis is not found in the Atlantic Ocean. That was a little trick that they pulled on people. You see? I've talked about this before. But Atlantis was exactly where they said it was, in the sacred Western land. And um, these cosmologists are not talking about these things. There's no discussion whatsoever. So they are either deliberately ignoring the information in order to slow down the eventual realization that we've been tricked and they lied to us about cosmology, or, like most, in most instances, instances um, people are simply ignorant. And I've been saying lately, and giving examples that, in a, an amazing number of times, man does not consider an issue unless it's set in front of him. If it's set in front of him, he'll ponder it, discuss it, or you know, debate over it. But if he doesn't hear about it, it's like nothing, you see. And so, what people are doing, they're um, they're now starting to. Reconsider the flat Earth theory, but they're not giving a viable option except for the uh, the Stephen Christ uh, sky-centric cosmology, which is obvious propaganda, and I would say it's comparable to a uh, you know th- third-party political system where you're going to pat yourself on the back and go, oh, I'm I'm really on the ball here. I'm I'm more sophisticated than those flat Earthers, you know. I believe, in a sky-centric universe. and Because uh, that's the way, that's the third-party mon- mentality, you know. You snub your nose at the, the silly Republicans who think that they're better than the uh, the radical left, you know, the Christian conservatives. Because, you know, you listen to Fox News and you know better. Or actually, you don't listen to Fox News. You, you listen to uh, Alex Jones something very alternative.
3: You've got it all figured out.
2: Did you know that the uh, Illuminati um they like to um to manage your ego, Johnny.
3: make you feel good about um, what you know. They oh, like,
5: yeah.
2: You're an expert and you've got it all Do you this? feel
5: content with uh, what you think you know? If you don't learn anymore?
2: Well, that's what Vigilant Citizen is. Uh, come here, and we'll give you the esoteric secrets, and you can go back uh, thinking that uh, you're superior to the, the ignorant, deluded masses out there who have not penetrated the inner secrets of reality. But in truth, they just give you the outer rind. Consistent, that you see a consistent pattern where they're deliberately like stopping and at um, this like a barrier. Where if it was a natural process, they should cross over that at least sometimes. But they never do. It's like stop, 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 over and over and over again. And what I'm talking about as an example of that is they keep doing these psyops about, you know, the secret goddess or the queen of Israel. And remember what I said before, the hidden goddess is sacred. Okay? So you have to have permission to reveal her, because she's sacred. They don't want to reveal her. A lot of people have a hard time understanding that. That's why I keep saying sacred, sacred, sacred. Okay? And so... Um, you will see them following this pattern because a lot of things that these um, pop stars are doing um, have to do, they represent someone else. This is, you know, Johnny, why is this so hard for people? Why can't we talk about it? Notice how there's no discussion, Johnny?
1: Have
2: you heard a discussion? Uh-huh. Have you heard a discussion about how um, this pop star is mocking the Queen of Israel? Or she's glorifying um this um supernatural entity.
5: Have you heard that before? No. So again, just
2: like when we're talking about cosmology, can we can we at least talk about the cosmic sea enough to say, well, that's not true? Uh can we talk about how um uh, okay these pop stars are not emulating um you know, celestial beings. But no. See, there's no discussion at all. You see that? Mm-hmm. And I should tell you something. That there's either suppression of knowledge or it verifies what I said earlier, that people are have very little creativity because creativity of humans is devolving. It actually devolves over the course of your life. We talked about that earlier. And people are simply uh, contemplating what is set right in front of them. If they don't set it right in front of them, they don't talk about it. They don't discuss it. That's the water cooler principle. You see that? We talk about things that um they talk about at the water cooler. If they don't talk about the water cooler, we don't we don't talk about that. You ask a person, have you ever heard about this? No, I never heard about that at the water cooler. Nope, never heard about that one. You know what I mean? And the water cooler for most people is what? The television you sit on a bus or hang out with people, or the program masses, is it true that you will hear them talking about ideas and concepts that they heard on their tele teacher? Isn't that true? Uh huh. And they don't really talk about a whole heck of a lot besides that, unless it's like personal issues with people. Other than that, it's, uh, it's all about the media. So, anyway, anything else you
5: want to say? Um, Apparently, there was some sort of satanic ritual with LeBron James and Jade Helm the team. They're preparing for internment camps. They're doing some national guard internment camps stuff. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking on GLP. I'm, just, I'm seeing the total collapse of America as we knew it. Hopefully, it's sooner than later.
2: Well, if you took a, um, if you took out the, the 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 phrase Jade Helm, that is a story that it could have been something I heard in 1993. Yeah, I just saw a story about. I mean, they're 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 really they're not the same stories they were uh, 20 years ago. You know, the guillotines on the. Um, and I'm not saying that they're not. I see. I actually believe in this kind of stuff. Um, you know, that they have these um, train cars with uh, what, like manacles or something like that?
5: Yeah, the shackles.
2: Shackles. Uh, at least that they will. But I have to question why, unless something's going to happen soon, why they would have them now? Because they can just um, equip them quickly when they need them. Why keep them around for years? So, what this is telling me, I mean, I already knew that the stories about that 20 years ago were just manufactured. There are people out there that are outrageous fakes. I'm trying to think of this one lady. Her name is Pam. And uh, she's an agent, and she's a ridiculous agent and she says all these horrible things about America, how judgment's coming. I mean, she poses as a Christian. And she talks about these stories like, you know, the guillotines on the uh, you know, the uh, a door flew open on a um uh, one of these train cars and uh and and the guillotine fell off. You know. Well, these stories are getting kind of old because they've been around for a long time. And uh, I don't think that they were shipping guillotines to um, different parts of the country that long ago. But it could be possible, because there's a whole underworld that has to do with uh, crime. And they could be potentially doing things like that, but uh, not talking about you know public executions. And they're – I just remembered her name, but I don't think I need to say it – But um, um, Well, yeah, I'll say it. Her name's Pam Schubert. I believe that's how it's called. And uh, (laughs) the information that she puts out there, do you want to see pure fear-mongering? And and none of these stories is there any credence to them whatsoever. But it's the very best fear-mongering you'll ever see. And what's interesting is she's talking about you know, organized Satanism, see, because you don't see that kind of stuff. But it's all just, like, scare the heck out of you. Um, But I suppose somebody could say the same thing about our podcast, but uh, when you listen to these people interview, they have a certain air about them. You know, we're cracking jokes and stuff through the show and uh, try to at least relieve some of the tension (laughs) because this is a scary world that we're presenting to people. We call it the awful reality. Did we ever get that, the awful reality, into a podcast title? I'm not sure if we ever did. I think maybe the first one that we I did with you, we were considering putting that in there. I don't know if it ever ended up that way. The awful reality.
1: Um, sure.
2: I don't think so. I don't think it got in there. We talked about it. Well, that's, that's a term that we throw around. Maybe you can make the little puppet talk about the awful reality. Okay. Do you want to give people a link to that thing?
5: <clears throat> Puppet?
2: What's the name of the YouTube channel?
5: This Extreme Reality Puppet Show.
2: <laughs> Maybe you'll change the name of it, I don't know. You already changed the name of it before, didn't you? Yeah. So. But it's, it's me saying ex- some extreme things, and... Uh, Johnny got the idea because he he had a puppet that was called uh, it's called was it called David or Dave?
5: Yeah, Dave. Yeah.
2: That was actually the name of the puppet. So Johnny put two and two together and he wanted to do a make a YouTube video about now Obviously, this was for amusement purposes. So.
5: <clears throat> yeah. I gotta put a, I gotta upload the Stephen Hawking one. That's funny.
2: So I had the uh, a Stephen. <coughs> hawking excerpt it's me talking about stephen hawking
5: yeah
2: how to think straight about stephen hawking you know i was seeing uh somebody talk about was he video or something that you know that he doesn't even he's not even alive anymore but stop <laughs> and think about that i mean the guy the it could be entirely fake um i'm not trying to say that he never existed but uh you know he died and uh and they just roll this guy out there. He makes these, you know, proof that God cannot exist. <laughs> really? Haven't I proven on here that you can't prove that? Uh-huh. I have done that. You don't have enough information to prove that God doesn't exist. He could simply be hiding from you or exist in a realm that you don't have um, the ability to know anything about. So how can you disprove that God exists? little man but he's smarter than a rocket scientist well we talked about that earlier we can't even prove that rocket science is legitimate we're still trying to figure out if they lied to us about that on a massive scale Johnny I'm telling you that right now there's a lot of fakery going on I'm talking about rocket science apparently um A significant number of these uh, rockets are not even going straight up. They go horizontal after a certain way. Uh, Possibly because they can't go straight up. And it's possible that none of them go straight up because they can't. And um, there's YouTube videos about this. And I think Crow777 is trying to figure this out. I don't think he's an agent at this point. So people are like, I wonder if Dave thinks he's an agent. And I don't need to say that people are an agent. I'll just say that he's not in my trust zone. But um, somebody has to do something to move into my trust zone. I don't just assume that you're not an agent because I do assume that um, they have flooded the mar- market with agents simply because they could. So that's what they did. Why Why wouldn't they do that if they could? Well, that doesn't make any sense. So, so that's what they did. So if that's what they did, why would I assume that someone is not an agent without any kind of reason to do so? See, that's the logical thinking to me. So a person has to do something to get into my trust zone. If he's in my trust zone... um. He could be an agent or not, but, um, you know, I don't, uh, if he's not in my trust zone, I don't trust the person.
5: So, anyway. Yeah, I guess. um...
2: Yeah, that's a nice way of saying that um, instead of just calling somebody an agent, you know, they're not in my trust zone. Anyway, anything else?
5: Um, I guess I, I'm I'm not sure. You know, Michael Lark, he sent me this um this article about Putin. It says Putin, God gave me perfect judgment. So I guess well, like, here
2: again, um, did Putin make that statement? Now, he, he's no different than Obama. Uh-huh. He cannot speak his mind. Uh, he has handlers, and he has speechwriters, and um, he can only say things that he's given permission to say. Uh, or so, if it's even the real stump-
5: Putin, because remember, um, he's supposed to have died and they cloned him.
2: <laughs> I could actually talk about that for about a half hour. I don't think I want to do that. Because a lot of people would expect me to say a lot of nasty things about that. But see, um, that's the real reality out there. Now, I live in a world that um, is compatible with the theory that they have cloned everybody, Johnny, including me and you. Because they could. This is the uh, because-they-could principle. And it's like, you know, for you, that's like a logistical problem. Like, where are they
1: going to put all these people?
2: Why would they do something like that? You don't know what they have and what they don't have. So tell me, sir, what you know about Illuminati shrinking technology, which I've never heard about anybody discussing they could take you using uh nanotechnology and restructure you to a more um compatible size and then uh, or just rearrange your frequencies and they could just reassemble you later so uh we don't have a storage problem Johnny you know what i mean uh-huh. but one thing about the uh Illuminati, they're they're uh, satanic madmen uh, but they're intensely curious so, I believe that they will do just about anything that they can do just because of the curiosity factor, unless God prevents them. We've talked about you know the bumping in the God principle, so this comes down to whether they would be sufficiently interested enough in into cloning everyone. Now, um I'm not sure why they would want to clone everyone. maybe they're not interested in doing it with everyone. Um, How about the majority of mankind? Maybe there's some people they don't really care. But this is where things get interesting. How do we know, how can we prove that they have not done this? Because we determined... I'm not sure if Doppelganger ever showed up in a title. I think I had it in a title and I took it down because it was too long and I couldn't fit everything in there. I think I took it down. But we eventually concluded that the Doppelganger phenomena is most likely a person's clone. you familiar with that at all? Yeah. Connie talked about this. She said that people claimed that they um, had seen her elsewhere, and she said, I wasn't there that day. And they swore up and down. They said, it was you? I said, nope, it couldn't have been me. It be somebody looked like me. And they said... Uh, no, 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 it was you. Got a good look at you, you know, that kind of thing. You're just going, mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, they can clone you. and They can clone everybody. So it really has to do with whether they're sufficiently interested. And they can also, um, let me ask you a question. Do you, you believe that they can clone dinosaurs and bring all of them back, right? And I'm yeah, saying yeah. that when they put that movie out there, Jurassic Park, they're actually communicating that at a dumbed-down entertainment level. It's is Jurassic Island. It's time to be entertained. <laughs> they just can't keep these secrets in you know, a back room somewhere. they got to get out there because they got these big satanic egos. And uh, look what we can do. Yeah, but they're primarily com- communicating at the uh, subconscious level because the subconscious level doesn't have problems with um, emotional impediments. Stop and think about that. Does the subconscious mind have problems with emotional impediments? See, the reason the conscious mind can't think straight is because it has all these emotional blockages. I point this out over and over again, Joni. That doesn't make me feel good. I don't want to believe in that. It's like a little baby, you know what I mean? This is where people are headed to um, what we'll call emotional devolution. A simple way to understand that is they're making people more and more emotional. So anyway, if they can clone the dinosaurs,
5: Oh, no. Well, I guess Dave's not here for for the moment. Dang it. I don't have an article to really talk about right now. Well, I am still looking into this sensor because I'm, I'm awaiting a sensor for tomorrow. To test out, and that's the Patrick Flanagan sensor. So I'm doing more research on it online. Thing what other people have written about it. The funny story about my sensor is that I got it for 150 bucks, and the woman who sold it on eBay who obviously could have sold this thing for way more than 150 bucks, she didn't really realize the worth of the sensor and she was calling it I asked her what are your experiences with the sensor and she she said um, I don't believe all that hokey pokey about it but that it gave her a boost in confidence and energy, and she's like, "How could a pendant do that?" Well, anyway, have fun with it. And she didn't realize just exactly how much more she could have sold it for and the worth of it. Because there was a there was a sensor that didn't look as dingy as this one that I got for about two hundred, and I was gonna get that, but someone snagged it, so I got the one hundred fifty one. And uh, now the only sensors that you can get on eBay are over three hundred bucks. So, and there are a lot of watchers on the on that listing too. So it was great to get that. Guest six, better show. Wow. Okay. Yeah, guest six just left a better show in the uh, in the chat room. I' could there be a better show than this show? Okay.
0: So, Dave, your phone's
5: dead. I don't know if you're going to shut this down yet or you're going to call back in and give a formal goodbye.
0: Let's get late to... I'm getting really tired.